system. that in 2001, Canada became the first country to legalize the use of marijuana for medical reasons. Did you know that? No, I did not. See, we just started. You learned something already. Wow. Big, big article, a big spread in the uh, very conservative, the ultra-conservative Toronto Sun yesterday. Front page story. And it says, oh, cannabis. Oh! Is what the headline is. Is Canada ready for relaxed marijuana laws? And it's got uh, part of a six-part series. New law, just a ticket. Canada goes to pot, it says. Justice Minister Martin Koshan intends to introduce a new bill, revamping pot laws before the summer. Oh! How do you like that? It's got a breakdown here of who's smoking it and who's not. In fact, it's even got names and addresses where you can get some good stuff. I think George's name is on here. Oh, yeah? Who's smoking? The majority of Canadians over the age of 45 have never smoked marijuana. The majority of Canadians under 25 have smoked marijuana in the past 10 years, 54%. Sounds like a majority to me. Oh, yeah. It says, uh, well, I'm not going to go into all the numbers. They're boring. So there you go. As, uh, you know, America continues lagging way behind. That'll be another nail in the coffin for the folks up here. Oh, you're, you're changing the pot laws? Now we're really going to come down on your ass. In fact, we'll probably have a small army invading there like over next weekend. Now, our survey over this last weekend... <laughs> you would you would think that if ever there was a poll that we took, it's oh, not no. really a poll, just a survey, where the chronic uh, lunatics would just you know just leave it the hell alone. That this would be the one. Our annual demographic survey. Which demographic category do you fall in? Male, whatever, female, and the age categories. Wouldn't you think that? Yeah. You would think so. Of course not. No. Four. I mean, starting Saturday night and all the way through yesterday, a feeding frenzy of psychosis, either by one deranged individual. Or more likely that little circle jerk group where we know who they are? Yeah. Female 12 to 17. I think what the deal is, what they're trying to say is they would like to be females 12 to 17. They're female, they're, they're teenage females trapped in a men's body. Isn't that what it is? Sure. Makes sense. Little, little Geraldina and uh, Francesca and whatever their names are. Julieta. Julieta. That's a good one. <laughs> 2011, real people on there, which uh, Beater Boy is very disappointed about that. I don't know why we broke all records this past weekend for hits on our website on a weekend. Really? Yes. Well, they had to get on there a whole bunch of times to fake their votes. <laughs> no, no, I'm, we're not talking about that. You're only talking about 484 fake votes. Well, that's true. I'm not even going to go through the whole uh, numbers here. You can take a look on there, and if you want to take a peek at it real quick, the uh, 505 on females 12 to 17, just subtract 484, <laughs> the real number is 21. George only wishes that we had 505 young ladies out there listening. Yeah, sure. The Although female 18 to 34, 40, that ain't too bad. No, not too great. Huh? Let's face it, we got 90% of our audience are men, or at least they're pretending to be, and the rest of them are undecided. Here's the poll for today, something that will be a work in progress, no question. I don't think we ever did this one. 
Uh, no, not exactly like this, I don't think. No, not exactly like this. Well, you know, you stand on your head and you wiggle around. I got a lot to say today, boy. In fact, today is the day I'm changing my whole life. Yeah. I think I was inspired to do this on what happened on this show on Friday. If this audience only knew. Oh. And then Tom Jicka comes up with a column. Hey, Tom, let me tell you something, okay? I'm glad that you're still listening. That's wonderful to know somebody about your radio. But you're so far off base, you haven't got any idea, as usual, what you're writing about, little Tommy. And if you want to, like, take a, cha uh, a shot here in your column at Wacky Jackie, I understand that you were the brunt of a lawsuit years ago when a lot of stuff went down at IOD, and now you're petrified and you're terrified to mention certain names on the air, or in your column, rather, or on the air when you're filling in. So basically, this uh, whole article is geared toward Jack Thompson and other people of his ilk who have appointed themselves as the moral censors of the airwaves. But Tom Jicka never mentions his name in here. And also, Tom's got more misinformation, but we'll get into it eventually. But on Friday on that rating show, all I can say is, oh, my gosh. Well, it, you know something? In fact, it must have been sublimable. That must be why I started the show today with, oh, my, oh, my. That was a holdover from Friday. Oh, you talk about emotional cripples in that place. And I really don't know at this point really what I'm allowed to say or not to say or what I should say. I, I don't know yeah. what, what the hell to say other than, oh, my. Oh, my! Because the uh, ratings, the Arbitron people, evidently there was some controversy about eight diaries in the rating process, not having to do with QAM, thank God, although uh, in the same family. Not Power 96. Am I narrowing it down? But I can't say what it was. Or I better not. And so there were allegations that, uh, who, I don't know what the hell to say. So to make a long story short, uh, Greg Reed and uh, Muff Lindsay, the two hysterical twins, they got together and decided that right in the middle of the show at about, I don't know, what the hell time was it, about 12.15? To have yeah, George fax me a note saying, stop what you're doing immediately and call uh, Greg and Duff in Duff's office now and I'll fill in for you. So I immediately am thinking like the world has just come to an end down there or uh, somebody died. I assume right. somebody must have died. Right. Bear in mind, they didn't tell us what, what it was about when they told us to tell you to do that. Mm. As opposed to like just scrawling out a little note and saying there's a little... Uh, dispute over some of the diaries and Arbitron is like maybe the numbers are oh no this was before 11:30 wasn't it yeah this is about 10:20 not 12:20 12:20 was the second right. message from right. Duff oh stop what you do now and call Duff immediately blah, blah, blah. so at, at that point they had stopped sending the uh, data down because they put an embargo <laughs> an embargo on the rating <laughs> what is that an embargo because they wanted to recheck it twice and see who's naughty and nice Ugh. and who did this and who dummied up that. Carry the one. Oh, brother. So actually, uh, I, I Schmidt canned those. I threw them all out. I did say Schmidt canned it, by the way, little Tommy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. See, what he doesn't understand is I did hit the dump button that day. At least I thought I did. Maybe I didn't hit it hard enough. In addition to which, that's not the, even the important part about this story. The important part is it was a slip of the tongue. I've done that before. It could happen to anybody. Who hasn't? And the FCC doesn't really care about that, which is shocking considering these fascists we got in there. That, that's not what the law is all about, Tom. And he writes a whole column about that. that that's not what it's all about, Tommy. He's probably stupid! God, the first local thing he's written about the local radio or TV in almost a year now, and he's got it wrong again. Although, thanks for the publicity. But one thing about Tom Jicker. He's probably stupid! He just can't get it right. He can't get it right. If it's if the words the language is used to appeal to the prurient interest of the audience, it's at that point that they come down on your ass and say we're going to find you eighty billion dollars, whatever the hell it is, you know that that's what it's all about. Not if somebody in the course of normal conversation blurts out a word and it happens to get on for whatever reason. Come on, Tommy, butch up a little bit. Can you do it? No. Jesus, God Almighty, are you lame? But he is listening, so we don't want to hurt his feelings. You know, he's very thin-skinned. <laughs> 
and just snort and uh, belch a lot on the air. So here's our poll question today to get us started. I'm going to read Tom's column on there because it's really lame. And also, oh, and those weapons of mass destruction that they yeah. thought they found yesterday? Oh, damn it, not again. And that connection between Al-Qaeda and Iraq that uh, certain people, including Ms. Grudge, were so psychotic about over the weekend, uh, come to find out it was just, you know, like uh, they, they chatted. You know, it, uh, there's, there's nothing concrete there. There's no evidence of any kind to indicate that Al-Qaeda was involved with uh, Iraq in planning 9-11 or any other damn thing. They said they hate the U.S. and the West, and basically that was it, and have a nice life. So did I mention about the rumors? <laughs> oh, wow. You thought Friday was strange on this show. I got a, I got a, a deli story for you on Saturday. By the way, everybody who knows Jeff Rimmer, call him up. You got a cell phone number. They're here. They're here. Call him up and say, Neil's not taking you guys to Ruth Chris tonight. Neil don't want nothing to do with you guys. Neil's uh, going to be hiding. Neil's going to be hiding under the bed till you guys get out of town. Enough already. Enough dinners, enough being schlepped around, enough uh, paying for meals that I don't want to feed uh, a family of six or whatever it is. Yeah. Sh he schlepped me on Saturday. I'm telling you, what he did was criminal. There are people on death row for less than what this man did to me. And after all the schlepping to go way the hell up in the north end and go to his son's apartment and pick up the wife and the daughter and schlep uh, four of us over to this deli. Oh, we don't want to go to the pickle barrel. No, that's too good. No, I got a place because I know the city. I grew up here, Rimmer's given me. And he, and then we get in the car and again we're schlepping and going and driving and we pull up to a place, a little strip shopping center the size of your ass. A delicatessen the size of a, of small phone booth. Each booth in there was small enough. He did, and this is a true story. He banged his knee so hard on the edge of the booth he thought he broke his leg. Which if I was them, I'd be waiting for the call from the lawyer. That's another one of their favorite deals, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. The old slip and fall routine. And not only that, that when I got the Kishka. I'm going to tell you something. You've been with me at the swap shop. Remember those appearances right, years sure. ago? Huckabee. Yeah, yeah. Well, the elephant droppings, remember those? The appearance and the aroma. Forget. That was the Kishka to start. And then the, the dry sandwich. Uh, the, how can you make a bad salami sandwich in a deli? With no pickle, no coleslaw, no nothing. The worst bunch of dreck I've ever had in my life. And then the bill comes for the four of us at the end of the meal. There's one of me and three of them, keep in mind that, okay? Mm-hmm. The bill comes at the end of the meal, 52 bucks. The waitress hands it to Rimmer, who's sitting on the edge. He passes it right down to me. His daughter just about crawled under the little tiny table. He just hands it right over to me. The freebies are over, Rimmer. Have a safe trip home. Bye-bye. Get out of my life. He really believes I'm slipping them to Ruth Chris tonight. Now, the daughter left to go back to Columbus yesterday, so he thinks I'm taking him, his wife, his son, and his son's girlfriend for them. There again, one of me and four of them, and I'm going to schlep them to Ruth Chris for a meal that I can't afford to eat, and I certainly don't want to go spend money for. I could afford it. Do I want to do it? No, absolutely not. No. Bye, Rimmer. Have a good life. Don't take it personal unless you want to. The poll today, what was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? We've had, this is not who's the best actor. We've done right. that or the best actress. And we'll do this for the actresses tomorrow. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? And I've got three that I've thought of. Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Peter Finch in Network. Hopefully everybody has seen both of those movies. Although I'm sure that some of them probably haven't, which I can't imagine. I'm as mad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh! And Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Don't you think that's a good start? A excellent start. Now, the Marlon Brando one's going to be hard to beat. Although I have one to add. You, well, well, can I uh, yeah, just yeah. relax? You can act like a man! I can <laughs> <out of> you. <laughs> 
913 at 560 WQM on a pressure-filled Monday, although not as pressure-filled as Friday. And then that deli. Oh. It would be like getting in your car and driving 600 miles to go to a um, Denny's, but this would be an insult to Denny's if I said that. To go to a Denny's restroom and leave a, a flood. Hey, if you've got a weight problem like a lot of the rest of us, here's the answer for you. Have you tried Balance for Life? If not, what are you waiting for? A lot of smart and satisfied people have done it because they've, they've tried all the fad diets and they're still fat. They've tried the pills that are supposed to make you thin. doesn't work. Balance for Life works because it keeps you satisfied all day long. Plenty of food. You don't have to starve to death. And it's great, delicious food, too. Everything is fresh, made with the best ingredients. They bring you a little black sack. That's all you need to know. They give you a menu every week that you fill out. You pick from two choices for each meal every day that you're on a program. And they bring you a little black sack right to your work, your home by 6 a.m. every day. And in your sack, that's all the food you'll need for the whole day. Three gourmet meals, two delicious snacks right to your doorstep. And the weight just pours off your body as you have a big satisfied look on your puss all the time. Because like I said, you're not running around starving. You don't have to count calories or carbs. You don't have to do any cooking or shopping or cleaning because they do all of that for you. So let Balance of life for Life help you lose the weight once and for all. Call this number, 954-568-3229. 954-568-3229. It really works, and it's delicious, too. Or check them out on their website at balanceforlife.com. And local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. If it's free, it's me. Oh! You can have or you can pack away. Since we're eating today, the oily boys buffet. Oi! Grab those tongues. And flip the photo around as if a diamond could be found underneath the tray. But don't forget who's paid the bill and in whose booth you're gonna be. So die. Save the last fish for me. The food is tasty and the price is low. I love the pay so much. My favorite thing of all is when I go. I love to fondle and to touch. Don't me fifty dollars. <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, I know. If you eat too yes, fast, you can get bad yes, gas when it's time yes, to go. Yes, I know. The food is soft. Food is soft. Take some red or green jello, macaroni and food cheese. Feel some sweet and But don't forget who's paying the bill and in whose boot you're gonna be. So darling. Say the last fish for me. It's our time. It's our time. Say the last fish for me. It's our time. It's our time. Say the last fish for me. Oh, is that perfect or what? Wow. So I forgot to mention at the end of this meal at this grotesque make-believe shoebox-sized deli. Yeah. So it's one of these Okay. So I go up there, we're all waddling out, and I pay the uh, 52 bucks Canadian, eh? And as we're walking out the door, I said, uh, by the way, remember, did you leave a tip? Oh, no, I forgot. So he went back in there, and uh, I, I doesn't even think how much it was. Okay. Boy, does he have a lot of chutzpah. Yes. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Tried to sneak out without even leaving a tip. Mm. See, I mean, there's some things you go through in life and you tolerate people. Like Fat Boy, there's a good example. I realize today he may be getting that operation in the hospital. I wish him well on that, but other than that, I'm, I'm, I've written him off. After the experience I went through here on Friday, a not a near-death experience in terms of physical near-death, but just in terms of, uh, you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. 
just a total psychotic uh, episode. I, I just I've turned it over a new leaf. Go leaf, go. <laughs> a new fig leaf. I mean, I just I'm sorry. I just don't have that much time left. I'm 60 years old plus. The days are uh, falling away here. The older you get, the faster the time goes by. And uh, I, I just don't have time to waste on on things and on people that I'm not interested in wasting them on. You know? Yeah, I know. You just tolerate stuff for a certain point, and then you finally say, "Have a great life. I don't wish you any bad, but uh, just lose my number. Go away." And that's it. That's the way I feel about the rumors, about the fat boy, about a lot of people. See, I'm one of those people I'd rather have four or five really good friends as opposed to having four or five hundred fair-weather friends. Now, I know some people that want to be surrounded, just surrounded by a zillion fair-weather friends. You know, people that really don't care about them all that much, but put on a good act. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not into that. And so as uh, time goes on, I just become less and less inclined to surround myself with people who I know are just Klingons, just hangers-on, users, yeah? It, and, and like I said, there's certain acts that are kind of funny for a while, and then they get stale, and then they get really annoying. There was just one phone call message too many left here yesterday, and that put me over the edge. I mean, I could go to the Ruth Chris thing tonight and not eat a whole lot or any extras, just have a nice steak and maybe a little bit of soup or something or that barbecued shrimp and pick up the check. But then that's the point. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it anymore. I don't need that kind of a meal, number one. And number two, I'm tired of being snored on, man. It's one thing to get snored on. It's another thing to get snored on. And this kind of feeling of uh, entitlement as if, well, I only lost you several hundred thousand dollars with my church. You know, kind of like that thing. Wasn't that enough? Wouldn't you think after that there'd be an embarrassment factor involved? The idea, the chutzpah of thinking that I should be schlepping them around and picking up their meals because I happen to make a lot of money. Seems to me he lives in a much more expensive house than I do. Last time I checked. I just mentioned these things in passing, okay? I'm just bitter and uh, hostile towards certain people. And like I told you before the show, which I'm not going to discuss on the air, also other people that I just, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of people pawing at me, people that like, uh, you know, just go away. Have a good life. I don't wish you any bad, but just uh, get lost. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I'm sure you do. Anyway, before we do the uh, Jicka column. Oh, now you were going to make a suggestion for the poll? Yeah, Al Pacino in uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Excellent. Al Pacino. Dog Day Afternoon. Now, who's writing these down? Me. And then oh, okay. Carlos is uh, transferring them. So we got lots of uh, buffers. <laughs> oh. oh, man. It all started Friday at about 10.15 in the morning, and it hasn't stopped since then. It was surreal. It hasn't stopped ever since. But, boy, it sure has created a real awakening in what's left of my brain. Stop what you're doing right now and call Greg and the Duff. So you needed a camera for that. I mean, based on what? 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 First of all, it had nothing to do with me. It's like certain other people, Norma Kent, another one who's in the very marginal category on my list, calling me up and, and always calling on the way to the ballpark, on the way to a Marlin game. He's probably got one of his Twinkies in the car there with him, one of his uh, boyfriends, and trying to impress uh, calling Neil Rogers, and he's going to tell him this and tell him that. Stuff that has nothing to do with me whatsoever. Norm, don't you understand? I just had a stroke a couple of months ago. I don't need to get stressed out about stuff that has nothing to do with me. And then he'll do it like three or four more times in a row. The next, like, three days in a row. Does this have anything to do with me? No, but I thought you'd want to know. I don't want to know. WQAM. Hello, I'd like to speak with Neil, please. Speaking. Neil, good morning. How about Tom Hanks in Philadelphia? Mm, I'll put it on there, but I hate Tom Hanks. Yeah, but that was a tremendous performance. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it. All right, I'm done. 
Thank you. You're done. <laughs> See, I just it may have been a very great performance in a wonderful movie, but after uh, what was that one with the uh, the mermaid? Splash. 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 After Splash, that was the end of Tom Hanks for me. You know. That was a cute movie, and it was just fine, and uh, that's all I needed to see him. And he's another one of these guys got a new movie out every five minutes, right. and uh, enough is enough already. Tom, don't go away mad, Tom. Just go away. And he's raking in the millions. I mean, it makes no difference what I say, because life is like a box of mm. halava. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. I think the fat <laughs> would agree with him. Careful what you wish it may backfire, writes Tom Jicken. Now, just be patient. I'll get to you people on the phone. They've obviously got a lot of suggestions. This is the kind of poll they like to sink their teeth into. Everybody's got an opinion, which is why we do them. We can put about 50 on there when you're thinking, don't do that about 30 things. No. We can put a lot more than that on there. Well, that saved the last fish for me. Now that I got this <laughs> book, of, no, seriously, now that you sent me this disc. And you know, I don't, I don't think you've ever played that on here. Here's the Boca song. Huh, I'm dangerous now. Uh-oh. Tom Zicker writes on Saturday in the Sun Sentinel, Tommy's first column about radio or TV in the local area in a year. Oh! And I'm supposed to be the one that's out of touch. In spite of that great book we just had, Tom, I can't wait to see the article about the ratings. Careful what you wish for, it may backfire, writes little Tommy. Neil Rogers committed a slip of the tongue one morning this week, fulminating over the sorry state of his nation's weekend, his station's weekend programming. He called the schedule human waste, but he didn't use those words. Uncharacteristically, he blurted out the four-letter street term. Schmidt without the M. For some, some inexplicable reason, neither Rogers nor his support staff at WQAM hit the seven-second dump button. Guess what, Tom? There's your first mistake. Perhaps it was because they were laughing too hard. As racy and controversial as Rogers' program is, he generally knows where the line is that can't be crossed. He seemed to shock himself at committing such a juvenile blunder. There's the second mistake. First of all, it wasn't a juvenile blunder. The fact of the matter is I was just very comfortable in talking about whatever I was discussing at the time, and it just slipped out because that's, uh, that's the way most people talk. Then it goes on to say, in the grand scheme of things, it was a laughable offense. Despite the fact that he airs in the middle of the day, it's hard to believe that there are any children listening. Kids would be bored to distraction by the content, whatever that means. You think kids would be... We've got 65,000 uh, kids out there listening according to this poll, don't we? Yeah. 12-year-old girls. we got 422 million 12-year-old girls, according to the survey. Tom goes on to say, however, there are people who make it their life's work to monitor programs like those of Rogers and Howard Stern. Nobody's name in here, though. So they can tattle to the principal, the Federal Communications Commission, whenever anything offends their rigid sensibilities. These self-appointed guardians of morality really should consider whether they want to persist in such activities. One of these days, they could produce the opposite effect of the one they're seeking. Oh, and i got to do the break, and then I'll finish this up. How did I get so far behind here? Just so uh, backed comfortable, up. right? Just chatting. Just chatting away, just talking about that uh, Rimmer experience. Call up Rimmer, all his good friends down there, and tell him Neil's pissed off and he's not going to dinner with you tonight or any other time in the future. I'm not. I'm done. Done. Bye. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> like Mickey says to Eisner. Done. Bye, then. What in the world? <laughs> 26 past, you know something, when we got to that deli and walked inside that little shoebox place, I should have said, what the hell are you doing to me? You're killing me. I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, man. This place was the size, you know, the two rooms that you guys are sitting in there, the control room in the studio, That's that was the size of this restaurant. Kitchen included? I don't know. I don't even think there was a kitchen. The kitchen was behind a counter <laughs> where they were slicing the uh, the meat. Oh. That was my Auschwitz experience. I think that everybody, even the Goyam, once in your life, will have an Auschwitz experience. That was mine. In fact, the sign on the on the place should have said the Auschwitz Deli. 
Even the food at Auschwitz was probably better than it was in this joint on Saturday. And certainly the ambiance, believe me, had to be better. And when I think of certain people in that place eating at the Rascal House, although at least it's big anyway. 927 at 560 WQM. If your carpets are a mess, if your furniture, your upholstery is really in bad shape, do yourself a humongous favor and call the best people in the world at Dry Concepts. Once you call these folks, I'm confident you'd never dream of calling anybody else or using any other method to get those carpets looking brand new because they're the best in the world. It's that simple. I've been using them in my house for over well, uh, well over 20 years. Everybody I know who's got even a half a brain uses dry concepts because you can't beat them with a stick and you can't beat their deal either. They give you a written guaranteed price before they start doing the job, whatever you have doing it for you. So whether it's your expensive area rugs, your oriental rugs, your carpeting, your drapes, your furniture, your upholstery, leather furniture, it's time for dry concepts. And if you have problems with pet odors or mildew odors, speaking of pets, by the way, they got a crappy little dog, the rumors. If you have a problem with pet odors or mildew odors caused by water damage, no problem. Dry concepts can make it all look and smell and feel just like brand new. Do yourself a humongous favor. You'll be mighty glad you call these people. Call them toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. 1-800-248-5071 or log on to their website, dryconcepts.com. When you use Dry Concepts, it's the truth. You can clean today and entertain tonight. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Hey, Duff, back in your pocket. Well, there's a marvelous place I know where all the wealthy people go. It's where royalty play polo, and that's what I like about poker. But down where egos are never small. But down where they say, how tall, in every corner has a ball. And that's what I like about poker. <laughs> On golf course fees, spend the day in Jewish bakeries. You should taste these delicacies, and that's what I like about Velka. But please excuse our attitudes and our BMWs. We find pleasure in being rude, and that's what I like about Velka. Watches. White shoes make us so obnoxious. If you're clean, we'll let you touch us. And that's what I like about Velka. We really don't care what you think. You see, our doo-doo doesn't stink. There's no coffee, only mocha. And that's what I like about Velka. All Think about Boca. Oh, 9.32 at 5.60. Speaking of Boca, this yeah. is in the Palm Beach Post, I guess, this thing that was faxed to me. Know the rules. It says WQM's newest egotistical personality, Howard David, proved his skills and knowledge are limited to describing what's happening in front of him on a football field. David was hysterical when the Vikings didn't pick within their allotted time, believing they forfeited the pick. Later, when he learned the Vikings were still on the clock, he toned down his criticism, wondering why Minnesota didn't trade down. <laughs> so evidently, for what you were telling me before the show today, there's a whole series of gaffes that Mo made on Saturday. Maybe he'd have been better off not to show up. Right. We will be getting a copy of those. Really? All right. Many, many, many mistakes. I uh, say, unlike Mr. Weaver, who didn't make mistakes, the Mo Meister makes lots of them. Like coming to town was the first one. So guess what movie I saw since uh, the psychic powers are in vogue again? 
Over the weekend, it just happened to be on. Somebody mentioned it on Friday. If you blow too much, you're in trouble. There's a blow. little audio clue to you. Blow with Johnny Depp. That was depressing. And did it blow? No, it was okay. I don't think it blew. Of course, he looked as usual with that hair. You know, they had him. Although, this was only uh, two years ago. Blow. So by now, he's getting to be old, I would think. About, like, 80. Getting to be an old cocker. Like Joe. It was okay. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Oh, well, don't. Okay. I mean, it was okay, but not worth wasting well, good, the uh, two hours on. It was all right. Don't do it. Here's somebody says, Chinatown, Jack Nicholson. I got that on here. Got it? And Al Pacino in, in Scareface. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in Scareface. I think he might just mean Scarface. I put two of them on there already. Well, you know, Godfather, when you come right down to it, could. Well, we'll see. I'm, I don't want to, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, what can you say about that? We'll see how many other people nominate what. I don't care how many Dago, Guinea, Wok, Greaseball, Goombas come out of the woodwork. Exactly. So anyway, getting back to little Tommy's column here. These self-appointed guardians of morality really should consider that whether they want to persist in such activities. One of these days they could produce the opposite effect of the one they're seeking, says Tommy. This should be nothing new. Every time activist groups try to ban a book, block a movie, or keep a TV show off the air, they inevitably make it a bigger success than it would have been without the publicity. It could be argued that their crusade to mandate V-chips, which almost nobody uses or even knows how to use, has given TV license to extend the boundaries of propriety. In the case of prohibited language, they're inviting a court challenge which might result in all rules about language being struck. Right, Tommy, right. Such a consequence might not be a good thing, which I don't understand that. I think it would be a great thing. But it reflects the evolution of society. The CBS movie Lucy, airing May 4, reminds us that there was a time when pregnant was verboten. Several of the words on George Carlin's infamous list of seven are now heard regularly over the year. I'd sure like to know which those are. They're heard regularly over the year? This would be one of the grounds for the elimination of language restrictions, says Tommy. Most of these words have become so commonplace in everyday life that they no longer violate community standards. The expletive uttered by Rogers is one a lot of people use whenever they drop or spill something or make a mistake. More to the point, it's a word that is now heard regularly on primetime TV dramas and broadcast networks. Our legal system frowns on selective enforcement, so it would be difficult for the FCC to come down on Roger Stern or any other radio personality for something that's gone unpunished on TV programs that are available in tens of millions of homes. You talk about making uh, something out of nothing. Is this incredible? He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. The fact that somebody might blurt a word out, uh, that's that's not a problem. He doesn't get it. After next week, Tommy says it'll be difficult to enforce any kind of language code. On May 4th, PBS will air a production of The Gin Game starring beloved veterans Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke. Some of their fans are going to be shocked to hear them utter the mother of all four-letter words, not once, not twice, but several times. PBS has always gotten a pass on content that would cause problems for other networks under the rationale that the material on public television is high-minded, not intended to titillate or shock. This might not, this might be true. However, eventually, someone's going to take the double standard before a judge who decides to rule only on the basic fairness of how regulations are applied. When this happens, it almost certainly won't be because a radio or TV station decided to play chicken with the FCC or the courts. It'll be because some do-gooder has forced the issue. What do-gooder might that be, little Tommy? Oh, that's right. We don't want to mention his name. <laughs> this man, I'm telling you. Well, what happened to him? You know, once upon a time, unless my memory is failing, which is possible when you get to be this old, once upon a time, he used to write some pretty uh, useful stuff. I didn't say good, but useful. But, boy, the last two or three years, he has just crumbled like a like an ancient, uh, like the leaning tower of pizza. Man, like the Colosseum. You know, those ancient buildings, they have to keep, like, uh, re-renovating uh, and propping because they're, they're all ready to fall down. Right. 
You know, like the QAM building? <laughs> what was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor is our question today. Not who's the best actor of all time, the best performance. And we have to emphasize, because a lot of times our audience is a little, a little, uh, they don't listen close enough. Marlon Brando, I, I beg your pardon, can I, after I read the list, and without interrupting, you can. Oops. Punk. See, he's all whipped up into a frenzy now. He got paid direct payment, direct deposit on Friday, I'm assuming. Yes. My check showed up. Oh! He got so his money on, uh, like, the week before. Beg your pardon? Because direct deposit's five days earlier. That's right. So he, oh, that's probably spent already on oh, drugs. Yeah. <laughs> drugs and faggots. I didn't remember getting paid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See, now, easy come, easy go. He doesn't even, felt like actually having the check. Yeah, the faggots are more expensive, too. Tell me. Marlon Brando in Godfather. Peter Finch in Network. Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon. Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Oh, by the way, the Flyers won a game last night. We'll see how long that lasts. Jack Nicholson in Chinatown and Al Pacino in Scarface. What about that Minnesota Wild? Oh! If it weren't for like one and a half seconds in that first game, blowing a lead, they'd have a two-zip on Vancouver. Wouldn't that be something in the Western Conference Finals? Anaheim and the Minnesota Vile. That should get a big uh, tune-in audience. Not. Give them all the credit, though. What do you say we bring the spokesman back? You want to bring him back, BM? No. No. I don't, I don't, is the show going by faster? Am I like on speed or something, baby? Because no, you're all, uh, full of vim and vigor. It's going great. No, it is going fast, though. It's just, I mean, every time I get ready to do something, it's time for another goddamn break. So I must be doing something wrong here. Another break already? <laughs> oh. oh, we sure miss her, don't we? Kenneth Mas Macho, Druzy or Miss Grudge? You should have seen Miss Grudge on MSNBC on Buchanan Press, which used to be one of my favorite shows. I'll give them a free pass on that one, you know? Oh, but he's just making one of his infrequent TV appearances. Thank goodness. Get that silly queen off of my screen. Get the queen off the screen. With that silly hat, and he's going on with that, spouting that right-wing crap. And about, well, you know, these networks, they, uh, you expect them to be objective. I mean, what do you want them to be? You want them to come out for Iraq, for uh, Saddam Hussein? That's the American Broadcasting Company and the National Broadcasting Company. What? So in other words, that means that they're supposed to give us a bunch of propaganda, government spoon-fed propaganda, because of the name of the network? Boy, you talk about a bozo. My God. But it's the Grudge Report. And he was hyperventilating on that website over the weekend, first about that Al-Qaeda link with Iraq, which turns out to be much ado about nothing. And then, of course, about the weapons of mass destruction, which turns out to be like probably more DDT. Man. Self-hating right-wing closet cases, man. Do you, you realize how many of them there are? That I was never really aware of that. No, you got to explain that to me. There's a zin I, I can How can I explain it to you? People with a death wish. You know, it's like Jews for Hitler. It's like the Jews that voted for Bush, the fags that voted for Bush, and the Jew fags that voted for Bush. Well, now we're really talking heavy duty. Good God. You could smell it all the way near that deli. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. If you think I'm exaggerating, I wish, I wish that you could see the size of that place. When we drove up there and I looked at where we were going, I, after after like a total of 50 minutes of driving, and I, it would be like if you got in your car right now mm -hmm. and you drove to Ohio. <laughs> to go to go to a, a Stookies. The only difference being that Stookies would be ten times larger than this place we ate on Saturday, and probably the food would be better. At least they got good pre peanut brittle. I mean, a bad salami sandwich, and he's sitting there. Isn't that great? Isn't this great? The only thing that was great about it is again he was sucking another free meal out of me. That was the only thing that was great. Go away, Rimmer. Don't go away, mad. Drive safe on your way wherever the hell you're going. Just goodbye. Bye bye. Done. 
Bye. 19 till 10 at 560 WQM with Mother's Day just around the corner. Is that guest bed ready? Hint, hint. If it's sagging, lumpy, or just worn out, then you need to pick up the phone and call 1-800-MATTRESS. That's the number for Dollar Mattress. Dollar Mattress has the complete line of Serta, Sealy, King Coral, and Simmons to choose from. You certainly don't want Mom sleeping on something that you wouldn't, right? No. Well, there's no reason to put it off any longer. Talk about our good friends at Dollar Mattress all the time on this show because they're the best in the world, and believe me, nothing's got a bigger impact on the way you feel every day than getting a great night's sleep. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. I've done it many times. It's the easiest way to buy anything. Dollar Mattress has got more repeat and referral customers than anybody because they know how to treat their customers right. Once you do this one time and buy your mattress with one call to Dollar Mattress, you'll never waste your time and cash going back to a showroom again. And when you do buy your mattress from Dollar Mattress, they'll set up the brand new one and take away your crappy, soiled, nasty old bedding for free. That's correct. Dollar Mattress sets up the new and takes away the old for free. So this Mother's Day, have Mommy sleeping like a baby on her new bed from Dollar Mattress. Call 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. That's 1-800-MATTRESS, the smart, the easiest possible way to buy you a great new mattress. Live and local, this, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. At Gator Meat. Now, here's what's happening as Allied forces try and pass the time in Iraq. Hey, Joe, where'd you get the cards? Government issue, Bobby. What are you playing over there? Go fish. All right, deal me and you. All right, yeah. Here we go. Deal me. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. These are funny, aren't they? You got the Taha Yazin Ramadans. Nope. Go fish. All right, you got me, uh, my balls this Harry? Yeah, I got one of those. All right, good. All right, I go again. Let's see. You no, got no, you got your match. Put your match down. All right, here you go. All right. Are you sandbagging us? Come on. Come on, Tommy. You go. Come on. All right. Do you have any Huda Salih Mata Anwash? What's that one? Huda Salih Mahadi Anwash. Is that a guy? No, it's the girl. It's the girl. No, I got no girls. I got no girls. You got it? You got it? No, no girls. Ah. All right, you go. All right. You got any I've been farting? I got one. Oh, you've been farting. You. <laughs> you got me, uh, Ajit, me drawers? There you go. I got one of them, too. You got any Amir Hamadoui Hassan Al-Sadi? Who's that? That the girl? No, it's the guy with the white hair. I got no girls. Does he have a mustache? What number is he? No, seven of diamonds. No, I got none of them. <laughs> you got any, uh, chic you stroke I watch? Does he have a mustache? They all have mustaches, even the women. Uh, nope, don't have any of him. Ah, Go fish. All right. uh, you got any bars on Ibrahim Hassan Il Tikriti? I do, actually. I don't know that guy. What's he look like? He got a mustache? Of course he does. They all have mustaches, even the women. You told us that. Ah, this sucks. I'm out of here. <laughs> 9.46 at 5.60 WQAM. So here's some other ones for our list. The best all-time performance in a movie by an actor. Rod Steiger in a pawnbroker. Boy, he was great. Rod Steiger? Yes, he was. He's dead. Yeah. Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. I'm, the, I'm reading you the ones I put down on here. Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. Although he was good, but he was no... Father O'Toole. But... Tom Cruise born on the 4th of July. I put it down only because somebody faxed it in, but I, 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 and the movie was good. Yeah, and he did a good job in it, but uh, whatever. Robert De Niro, Taxi Driver. Yeah. And Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. You must remember this, A Chicken Cannot. I never saw it. Casablanca? I saw The Cane Mutiny. Play it again, Sam. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. That's, that's got to be on here, don't it? Right. Bogart, Cane Mutiny. Strawberry, she. It was just, I counted him. That was great. That, that was like great. He was like playing Greg Reed in that movie. Make no mistake about it. Who's the mole? Who's the mole? How about Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet? You want to put it on there or not? Sure. No, it was good. No, it was not good. I saw Dennis Blue Hopper? Velvet. I wouldn't his, wish that on uh, Hitler. His performance in it was great. Okay, put it on there, Dennis Hopper. Daddy. Okay. Okay. Where's my bourbon? <laughs> Jim Varney and Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I think that might get a lot of votes. Only joking. Okay, Dennis Hopper. I'll tell you another one that was very good, but not, not in the same category. Dennis Weaver in Duel. Yeah. That was good. I must have seen that movie five times. I mean, times. I'm not putting it on there. That wasn't, I mean, again, what was the all-time best performance in a movie by an actor? Not every good performance you ever saw, which would take us the next six months. It'll kill some good time. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? Try to, are they ever going to fix line five? I hate to keep no, bugging no, the people. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. Not for a long, long time. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Just asking. Oh, my suggestion, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get back to Beaner Boy, who was interrupting uh, 20 minutes ago, yes? Ratso Rizzo, Dustin Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy. That's a good one. Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy. Ratso. That was very depressing. Oh, God. Extremely. What a morbid movie. I do like uh, Al Pacino, though, in Dog Day Afternoon. Attica! Attica! Just that scene alone. Right. And, of course, Fredo was in there. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Now, didn't, which was first? Godfather was first, right? Right. Absolutely. You tell him, Fredo. I'm dying over here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, I don't know. What am I going to say now? We got these people. We got drop-ins from people that died a long time ago. We got our thanks for uh, calling lady who passed away a couple months ago. And we got the I'm dying over here guy who died years ago. It's like a memorial tribute. Right. They live in perpetuity on this show. And then we've got some people who are doing shows that are dying. Okay. But uh, we keep them alive, too. Actually, he went up a little bit at Night in Men, Phil, from a 4.0 to a 4.3. I looked that up on that material you finally sent me. Right. After the embargo was lifted. <laughs> the embargo was lifted, not on Cuba, but on the Arbitron ratings. Right there, and all right. And it's official. In fact, I forgot I forgot to play that this morning, just in case anybody was out of town. Yeah, and I can't wait to get those hour by hour so we can see just exactly how much we goosed up the Momeister who finally threw in a number there in the morning. We think. And you'll you'll notice. No, we don't think. I mean, he's got uh, he takes credit for six to ten, whether where he should or not, even though he's only on six to nine. And you notice that there were certain people I won't mention any names who were around the building were very dismayed by the fact that he did well because they were hoping they laid a gigantic egg so they could blow his ass back to New York or anywhere out of town that would. It, were, were you laughing what about? You, you know saying? it's true. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I do. They were depressed. They were psychotic. Oh, you're also going to be depressed about this. Military team turns up negative results in weapons of mass destruction test. Oh. A senior military team that tested, I mean, yesterday they were hyperventilating, it was mustard gas, it was uh, VX, it was, uh, yeah. Turned out that it was mustard with V8 on a deli sandwich. That's what they found from that little deli in the Toronto. Uh, see, oh, and speaking of Toronto, they're meeting with the WH oh! today. And they're going to convince them. That, I mean, there's nothing going on here, and the number of cases of SARS is, uh, I mean, talk about doing everything in their power to, to dis destroy a community in a country. 
And you know what the message is? Don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> ever. Right. And uh, so we got not not the mayor Mel Lastman because Mel can't figure out what planet we're on, much less anything else. He's you know he's a goofball. But we got some of the big shots. Some of the big medical experts are going to talk to the folks from the WHO, oh! including that Dick Thompson, no relation to Wacky Jackie. Uh, and uh, he's going to convince them to get Toronto off of that list. And you know how he's going to do it? I'm going to make him an offer. He's got refuse. There you go. <laughs> anyway, the mobile exploitation team Bravo took samples yesterday, which are being analyzed in the U.S., but they said uh, negative results. No WMD. So they keep looking and looking and looking. Find anything yet? No. Well, we'll, we'll put some stuff in. I mean, we'll uh, find it. Speaking of that, did you see the story about the bomb-like device that shut down Palm Beach Airport for three hours? I saw it. Uh, see, I don't understand this story. A suspicious bomb-like dev device noted by a federal screener closed Palm Beach International Airport yesterday, grounding planes, delaying more than a dozen outgoing flights, and frustrating hundreds of other travelers who sat in their cars for more than three hours outside the airport in pouring rain. Oy. That must have been pleasant. The screener flagged the device in a checked piece of luggage, triggering the evacuation that brought all arriving and departing flights to a halt. The delays and cancellations rippled through air traffic system up and down the East Coast and resulted in hundreds of passengers being held aboard a dozen planes on the ground at Palm Beach, while some inbound flights were diverted, officials said. In addition, 14 departures were later canceled between 6.10 and 9.30 and a p.m. The materials noticed by the Transportation Security Administration screener were examined by Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office bomb squad and were deemed as not explosive, no bomba. The owner of the luggage was located and interviewed. According to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's spokeswoman, Diane Carhart, no arrest was made. Nonetheless, Carhart said the device seized by the sheriff's investigators looked like a hoax device. It wasn't a toy and is not something people would have randomly in their suitcase, Carhart said. I do not believe it was put there maliciously. Now, if you can explain to me those last couple right. of paragraphs. Huh? It looked like a hoax device. It wasn't something you'd have randomly in your suitcase, but I don't believe it was put there maliciously. Who put it in there? The, uh, the tooth fairy? The Easter rabbit? Leprechauns. Little, uh, little fairies must have put it in there. Yeah, they're tricksters. Oh my god, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I read this thing over and over again to see if I was missing something, and, uh, well, it's in the Sun Sentinel. What do you expect? They print Tommy Jicka's column, too. Tommy, I know your intentions were good. He's probably swearing and muttering right now. I try to write something, to, you know, to protective and defensive and deposit. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You wrote something stupid. In fact, the idea that all the stuff that's gone on in the last year that he's vanished from the local radio and TV scene that he hasn't written anything about, Including all the Condoleezza business and the Mo stuff and all the, I forget just about us, all the other radio and TV stations in the market. And now this is the best he can do is because I slipped out Schmidt on the air. What are we talking about here, Tommy? I think Schmidt might be your middle name lately. You think it's because he's been busy talking to all them gamblers on the 80K show every now and then? He's stupid. It would rot my mind, I'll tell you that. Hey, what we got on the agenda? We got uh, almost a clean slate, although we do have a Marlin game tonight, damn it, late. Mad Dog at 1, Hank from Shula's at 3, the big oh! 7 to 9 tonight. Marlins on Drek at 9, and the Marlins at Arizona at 9.35. Eddie K following baseball in the wee hours. And Mark, now what is that? Mark Eisenberg overnight. Is Joe on vacation? Must be. He's huh. on a cruise. I think it's his honeymoon cruise that they never took last time. He's on a cruise? Yep. Is that man nuts? Yes. God. Listen, I'm not giving people any more advice. Do whatever you like. Go on a cruise. Have a horrible time, and you will. Just hope that the uh, ship doesn't catch on fire, that uh, your girlfriend or wife doesn't get raped or both, and that everything turns out just hunky-dory. Now, what the hell happened? Oh, you know who uh, screwed me here? 
I give up. Our good close, my good close personal friend, Skippy. Oh, there it is. Well, not because he uh, had me fax that copy, and I had my whole right. little pile neatly down here. Hey, Skippy, you're okay, man. You're a squeaky voice, and you're like a little twerp, but uh, stay the hell out of there. Christopher Walken in Deer Hunter. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Christopher Walken. It was a really good movie, but it ain't no Godfather. We're not asking, was it the Godfather? Oh, see, now you're going way off the deep end, too. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? Yeah. Not what was the best movie. No, I'm just saying, it wasn't the best. Okay. James Mason in Lolita. Never saw it. I did. And? No. no. In fact, they were going to pick James Mason. James Mason was great in uh, A Star is Born with Judy Garland. Never saw that. You never saw that? No, oh, Judy Garland. Isn't that that, that Oz was, chick? That was a great movie. You know what your problem is? See, every time you mention Wizard of Oz, you start thinking, Eisner! Okay, we're not talking about the Song of the South. Okay, you got you got all your uh, cartoons mixed up. And then it says, Adam Stanions in Schubert. Okay. In cakes, pastries, ice cream with all your favorite toppings, and fresh fruit, too. Take Mom or the whole gang anytime for a fantastic feast to the Emerald Coast Chinese Buffet. In Sunrise, they're Pineal out of 44th. Collins Avenue, just north of 163rd, North Miami Beach. And at the intersection of Flamingo and Pembroke Roads in Pembroke Pines, they accept reservations. Takeout and delivery are available, too, at the Emerald Coast by calling 954-572-3822. 954-572-3822. This ain't some little out-of-the-way joint like that deli I was telling you about. This is a real feast of a lifetime. The Emerald Coast Chinese Buffet. <laughs> Sports Radio 560, QAM. Well, let me tell you something, my crock mick friend. Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. He lives on Queer Street, lingers round on Queer Street. He has a house and garden. I would love to see what happens. Hates his toes and pets his monkey. Women's clothes make him look real funky. He has a whiz whiz and knows what to do. <laughs> On Queer Street right now. Ten oh two at five sixty. So Mo showed his ass to the world on Saturday, I guess. Rectum. On a draft show, made many, many, many mistakes, and uh, that seems to be what everybody in town, the buzz around town, beside that awful deli that rummer left me to to buy them lunch. That was the last <laughs> supper, by the way. The last lunch, the last supper. That was the last uh, gathering for me in that uh, crowd. Okay, have a great life, guys. But uh, bye bye. 
Somebody says the most amazing, heart-wrenching, difficult role was Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. I put it on there only because I can't stand Russell Crowe and I don't want to let my own feelings interfere. Okay. Remember what Mama Corleone said? Don't interfere. Santino, don't interfere. Remember that? Right. <laughs> oh, I, listen, you can remember almost <laughs> anything you say, you can find a spot in one right. of those Godfathers where they said it. You could go for days and only do Santino, don't interfere. They don't talk business at the table. Maybe I could help. <laughs> You're out. You're out, Tom. This article here, MSNBC's Banfield, and she also is not one of my favorite people, but the article is sensational. In fact, going to be our featured story on our website this week on neilrogers.com. I'm thinking around uh, 11 o'clock we'll uh, put the poll up so people can vote on it. I, I, I don't like putting it up too early because then they vote too early and then they want to change their mind later and can't do it. And I don't want to put it on too late because then we lose too many votes. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So about 11 o'clock, we'll have Eric put it up. Tell Eric, get ready to put it up by 11. MSNBC's Banfield Media Filtered Realities of War. This article is so good that I almost get goosebumps reading it. Just like that one from that guy at the FCC, that dyke guy that I read on Friday. Remember that? Right, yep. And yes, Virginia, there is a guy named Dyke. Oh, look at that. New copy from Skippy. What did I tell oh, you about uh, that? And by the way, yes, that's for today. But I already uh, basically did this anyway, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Skippy, you're an asshole, man. You're an idiot. Just thanks to me. I just got done doing the spot. Like I said, take mom or your girlfriend to the Emerald Coast for Mother's Day, okay? Isn't that what I said? What? Neil Saki Park. He's uh, he's a, what do you want? At least he's making an effort, okay? Yeah. Give him a little bit of credit. Cut him a little slack. Mm. Anybody that looks and talks like that, like uh, Rumpelstiltskin and Heat, have you ever seen, oh, and I'm going to tell you, if he ain't Tom Denenberg in a different body. Oh, a little older. MSNBC's Banfield, Media Filtered Realities of War. She says, war sobering, well, wait a minute, she didn't write this. Matt Moline wrote this in the Topeka Capital Journal, Topeka, Kansas. War sobering realities never reached American TV screens during the recent U.S.-led invasion of Iraq, according to NBC News correspondent Ashley Banfield. We didn't see what happened when Marines fired M-16s, Banfield said, during a land and lecture appearance today at Kansas State University, today being a Saturday. We didn't see what happened after mortars landed, only the puff of smoke. There were horrors that were completely left out of this war, so was this journalism? Was this coverage? On the other hand, she said, many U.S. television viewers were treated to a non-stop flow of images presented by cable news operators who wrap themselves in the American flag and go after a certain target demographic. It was a grand and glorious picture that had a lot of people watching, Banfield said, and a lot of advertisers excited about cable TV news. But it wasn't journalism, because I'm not sure Americans are hesitant to do this again, to fight another war, because it looked to them like a courageous and terrific endeavor. Boy, is that great or what? Yep. Banfield's appearance at Kansas State's McCain Auditorium marked the 129th speech in the long-running Landon Lecture Series, which was established in 1966 by the late Kansas Governor Alf Landon. In addition to her duties at NBC, Banfield also hosts the MSNBC cable TV news show, MSNBC Investigates. Until last fall, she anchored her own MSNBC news program, Ashley Banfield on Location, a program that included a stop last summer in Manhattan where the Canadian-born host interviewed KSU experts who developed methods to protect the nation's food supply from potential bioterrorism threats. In her lecture, she noted inconsistencies in the Bush administration's announced war aims in Iraq, beginning with the original U.S. pre-war contention that Iraqi terror and Saddam Hussein's alleged stockpile of chemical and biological weapons posed a serious international threat. You know, the stockpile that they still can't find any of? Oh, that one. 
Conveniently, in the week or two we were in there, it became a message of freeing the Iraqi people, Banfield said. That should have been the message early on, in fact, six to eight months preceding this campaign, if we were trying to win over the hearts of the Arab world. According to Banfield, U.S. broadcasters do not accurately inform the American public of the basic reason behind widespread Islamic distrust of the U.S. The American government's continued unwillingness to treat Israelis and Palestinians as equal partners in the future of Israel. As a journalist, I've been ostracized just from going on television and saying, here's what the leaders of Hezbollah, a radical Muslim group, are telling me about what's needed to bring peace to Israel, she said. And here's what the Lebanese are saying. Like it or lump it, don't shoot the messenger, but that's what they do. How do you like that? Ashley Banfield, I never dreamed that it would come, that I would read anything that she said on the air and certainly put it on our website as a featured story that we'll leave up there all week long on the website. Nice going, Ashley. Ashley. See, she ain't all bad, even with them silly glasses there. She's not as much of a bubblehead as we thought. She's got some big balls, man. That's what we really respect. Even though Donna Shalali might not like it too much over there at the very, very stodgy University of Miami. Ashley Banfield's got big balls. How do you like that, oh! Donna? You prima donna. And you ain't no Dion either, sweetheart. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon Wireless line. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor we're asking today? We might have to do this more than just one day. Good. Don't you think? Probably. Although I notice now there's only one line ring. Now that I'm getting ready to get back to this, well, you know, it's difficult, especially on a Monday. They're here, they're there, they're in, they're out. They're getting pissed off because I'm not picking the phones up right away. Too bad. I'll get to you. Just let them keep ringing. By now you should know the exercise. The best all-time performance in a movie by an actor, we got Marlon Brando in The Godfather, Peter Finch in Network, Jack Nicholson in Cuckoo's Nest, also in Chinatown, Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon, and in Scarface, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, Rod Steiger, the pawnbroker. You know what, uh, what about In the Heat of the Night? Well, I didn't see the pawnbroker, but I saw that. And that was, was great. great in that. Sure was. Well, he was no Archie Bunker. <laughs> Peter wrote to all oh, I was watching. I was flipping channels yesterday, and there was an old uh, All in the Family episode. Yeah. The one where uh, Meathead was having, like, his app an appendicitis attack. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm telling you, you can watch those over and over sure. again. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. Tom Cruise, born on the 4th of July. Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. Uh, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. Humphrey Bogart in The Keenan Mutiny. Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. See, I don't like saying that because then I start thinking about Bobby Vinton. Oh. She wore blue. Oh, Bobby Ooh. Vinton, man, the Polish prince. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love to go through your life being known as the Polish prince? Yeah. Can Dustin I Hoffman in Midnight Cowboy and Russell Crowe, A Beautiful Mind. I didn't see that. I saw it recently, as a matter of fact. And? Uh, very good. Very good was movie. It? Very good performance. Yep. I was surprised because I don't like it Oh, you either. saw it too, Beaner Boy? Yes, sir. And? Very good. Very good performance. Exactly what, what George said. You know who I'm going to vote for, obviously. I know who I'm going to vote for. Okay. Probably the same thing. Now, what about Robert Duvall? Can we put him? He was in... See, he was never the lead actor in most of these movies. He was always like, uh, you know... Right. Just another character. Another peasant of Ante. Somebody faxed uh, the Apostle. You probably got that already. The Apostle? Him, where he was the lead. Which oh, I never that saw. Was, that was the movie where he played the preacher, right? Yeah, I never saw it. Oh, how about Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man? Yeah. Excellent. Definitely, definitely. Kmart sucks. Uh -oh. I guess that's what they figured out there by uh, by me, out by the sawgrass. Kmart sucks. That's why they went out of business. Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man, we got that. Oh, there's so many of them, you know. This is yes, great. We can do this for months. Let's do this till about till August. Tony Perkins in Psycho. That was good. Sure was. 
We ought to put her down. I mean, him down on there. How about some of the Hitchcock movies? You know what I saw the other day? Speaking of movies, I saw on the TV over the weekend, just channel surfing. Why is it that I get so many better movies on my digital cable here than there are down there? Just keep rubbing it in. Huh? Strangers on the Train. Never saw it. With Farley Granger. Don't. Okay. It, it was uh, weak. It was weak. Alfred Hitchcock movie. Farley yes. Granger, good actor, but it was uh, it was lame. Really lame. Bad ending. Uh, Woody Allen, Annie Hall. Mm. I mean, I like that movie, but he wasn't acting like anything except himself. Oh, in that case, forget about it. I, I, I wouldn't watch a movie with Woody Allen in it. I would just... Oh, Gene Hackman in The French Connection. The Freedom How Connection? How could we forget that? How about Gene Hackman in The Conversation? You remember that? Yeah. But I think... Uh, hundred years ago. Conversation was good where he was doing the wiretapping. Mm-hmm. Gene Hackman in a French Connection. You writing all these down now? Yes. Okay. Boy, these are like, I shouldn't have planned so much work on a Monday. A lot of faxes coming in. Robert Duvall and the Apostle, no. I mean, you know, if I was going to pick a movie that he starred in, I'd pick The Great Santini. Okay. <clears throat> and, and I wouldn't put that on there because that was not his best acting performance. He was great in The Godfather. He was great in Network. He was great in Apocalypse Now. Brief as it was. Right. I mean, he's a great actor. Uh, George C. Scott and Patton. Okay. You think so? Sure. Let's talk about Trish Vanderveer. What about her? Remember when he went through that phase when he married her and he was like every he was on all like uh, Hollywood Squares, and she always was there, always had to be right there. They were like joined at the hip. Trish Vanderveer, my wife Trish Vanderveer. He's uh, I don't know. He was you know what movie he was really great in Hospital. Right. Boy, I forgot all about that movie. Oh, was that a great movie or what? Oh, that was another Petty Chayefsky thing. Mm -hmm. But I, we can't put them all down. Malcolm McDowell and Clockwork Orange. Uh, he was that was great, but I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Do you? No, I don't know. I mean, it, I, was it his best work? Probably. That doesn't mean that it was the best all-time okay, performance. Scratch it. Uh, Kevin Spacey, Usual Suspects. He's done better. Denzel, Denzel Washington, Training Day. Oh, Tony, Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs, we have to put him on there. Mm -hmm. That would be the one. Oh, God. Like I said, we could do this till what? Till about another two and a half years. At least. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I ate his liver. With an ice Chianti and fava beans. In fact, I think that's what they must have had with my sandwich there, but that would have been extra <laughs> at the deli on Saturday. Fava beans, huh? Oh. Wow. Hey, Tom, whatever that word was that I blurted out last week, that's uh, that applies to the experience on Saturday at that deli, the whole rumor experience. Bye-bye, Jeff, Farrell, kids. Have a nice life. Good luck to you. 10.14 at 5.60 WQM. Little Skippy was in there this morning with some good news, and that is that the Oleomid people shipped me some more of that good stuff for my blood pressure. I've been popping it in my push religiously. My pressure is sensational. Ole, in spite of all the stuff going on there in that building, all the psychosis. Oleomed soft gels contain the finest olive oil that money can buy, and they combine it with all kinds of other good stuff to help your health, no matter what you need. There are 14 different Oleomed formulas to choose from, each one combining the finest olive oil on the planet with vitamins, minerals, and herbals to support specific health needs from your bones to your blood pressure to your immune system and lots more. Now there are three brand new Oleomed formulas waiting on you. There's one to help you sleep, one to help you control your weight, and Cell Q10, which is CoQ10 for your heart, one of the most important things you can ever pop in your mouth. You'll find Oleomed all over town because more and more people are buying it now. Publix, Eckerd's, Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, Navarro's, and Sedano's. You can also order Oleomed online if you like at oleomedamerica.com. 
If you want any more information about what their products can do for you and where you stick them, call 1-866-OLEOMED. Although don't stand up real quick, they could fall out. 1-866-653-6633. Thanks again, Skippy. You're the best. Get OLEOMED today and start popping it in your puss for better health. I'm a superstitious man. And if some unlucky accident should befall him, if he should get shot in the head by a police officer, or if he should hang himself in his jail cell, or if he's struck by a bolt of lightning, then I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. And then I do not forgive. You're taking us very personal. <laughs> Ten nineteen and five sixty WQM. Happy Monday to you, man. What a beautiful day today. Sunny and seventy five in T.O. Oh. oh man, low humidity, forty six percent. What's not to like, right? Sars. Ain't no problem here, baby. Everything <laughs> is a okay. You son of a bitch. Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, it says, I'll never forget when he held up the two stone tablets and told the Jews they could only pry them away from his cold, dead hands. <laughs> oh, that's great. By the way, we were talking about Chuck Heston this morning before the show. This uh, faxer must have psychic powers. Saw him doing his NRA uh, resignation as the head of the NRA. He can barely walk. He's like right. uh, on the way out, big time. Not that we wish him any ill. You son of a bitch. But... We do. Uh, by the way, Carlos, time to go in there and to kick George out. Committed okay. a cardinal sin. It's not even 10:30 this morning. Committed a cardinal sin. Uh oh. Sent me a fax from Tim Potts. I did. Yeah, you did. Oh no. With some bad, bad actor suggestions on there, bad ones. One of which is already on there. Don't ever send me another fax from that goofball again. Get a life, Tim. Okay. Get a girlfriend. Get a boyfriend. Get a pet. Get a rattlesnake. Now, this one here, I don't have any idea who this is. Robert Shaw in Jaws? You saw Jaws. I did see Jaws, but I don't know who Robert Shaw is. In fact, the, uh, uh, the salty dog, the, uh, the ship captain, I think. The salty dog? <laughs> I, don't know I, how thought Richard, I thought Richard Dreyfus was in Jaws. Yeah, he was. And then uh, what's the other guy that played? Uh, Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. He and was Robert really Shaw was that. the other guy on the boat. There were the three Get of out of here. That was a cornball. I mean, it was okay. You know, it was a, a scary, a scary. But, uh, no. They sang sailing songs. Yeah. There were some, inter- some pretty interesting people on that boat, but that's beside the point. See, that's what I remember about it. That, that's, that's me. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. That's me. I'm very happy about it. I remember there were some real, real uh, interesting looking people on that boat. Some of them didn't come back alive, though. 
Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. The last one I added was Anthony Hopkins Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Yep. Because I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty on the AT and T line. What was the best all time performance in a movie by an actor? We got our growing list here. Marlon Brando in The Godfather. I didn't know no Godfather. Peter Finch in Network. You'll you'll see. He's not going to get hardly any votes, Peter Finch, which really pisses me off. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And then uh, shortly afterward, he was on his way to a thing where they were going to, like, honor him, and he died. Had a heart attack Mm -hmm. and croaked. Just when he was finally getting recognition outside of the U.K. Jack Nicholson, Cuckoo's Nest. Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon. Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Al Pacino, Scarface. Rod Steiger, the pawnbroker. Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. I still think you're Rod Steiger in um, uh, in the heat of the night. I agree. Well, well let's, put, let's put that on there. I mean, since there are other people here getting more than one, why not give it to old Rod Steiger? In the heat of the night. And he said, I ain't no Archie Bunker either. Why did Carol O'Connor do that? Huh? What a horrible way to go out. That was such a bad, bad show. Uh, Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. Tom Cruise, born on the 4th of July. Robert De Niro, taxi driver. Humphrey Bogart, Casablanca. Humphrey Bogart, K-Mutiny. Dennis Hopper, Blue Velvet. Then Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy. Russell Crowe, Beautiful Mind. Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man. Tony Perkins in Psycho. Gene Hackman, uh, French Connection. George C. Scott in Patton. Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs. Rod Steiger in the Heat of the Night. And the winner is... Oh, that's right, they don't say that. And the Oscar goes to... Right. They don't say in the winner is anymore because that implies if there's a winner, there must be losers. I mean, talk about childish. Talk about a bunch of fragile egos. Now, we can't say the winner is. And the Oscar goes to, the Emmy goes to, the little statue, little tchotchke goes to. Because we certainly don't want to suggest that anybody's a loser. Mm-hmm. WQAM. Uh, see, there's a loser right there. Ask for it and you got it. WQAM. Ratso Rizzo, Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Beaner Boy nominated that one. Did I just get through reading the list? I thought you did. <laughs> well, that's okay. He's busy. He's in a car, obviously, and he's on the phone. He's probably on the way to that little deli up here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I did justice to that story. I really didn't. No, you did a better job uh, before the show. Yeah, well, see, I, wasted, I wasted all the good material on you before the show, and then once I got on, I was out of steam on it. It was just, just such a horrendous experience after this big buildup. I mean... Ah, it reminds me of years ago when I was working at WBTA in Batavia, Batavia, New York. And I had a good friend who had a record store in Batavia, and he decided that we went to a a Bills game in Buffalo. And after the game, he says, I'm going to take you to this great restaurant, and just phenomenal, okay? And again, another long drive in the middle of nowhere. And we go to this place in a house that looked like it was... uh, I don't like, like, it looked like that Bates Motel, to be honest with you. Okay. And I think the cuisine was about the same. And we go in, and there's no menu. Do you want chicken, beef, or fish? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. It's a place with no menu. Do you want the chicken, the beef, or the fish? And needless to say, <laughs> the beef I had wasn't the last beef about that place. I mean, it was from a hunger. I don't know what kind of animals they had running around in the basements that they were shooting to make a supper. Wow. What experience. Robert De Niro and Raging Bull. Better put it on there. It'll get some votes, even though that's a horrible movie. Just an awful movie. 
What about, uh, what's his name? Goodfellas? Joe Pesci? Well, there could be several people in there. Uh, uh, Ray Liotta? Uh, Ray Liotta with a bad uh, complexion. Ray Liotta, who played Johnny Depp's father in Blow. It, it was it was okay. It was a movie that like killed an hour and a half. That's about all I could say for it. I'll that was a true it. story. If you like stories that are true stories. Yeah, like Donnie Brasco, which you still need to see. No, I haven't seen that yet. And what's the other one, uh, uh, The Bourne Connection with Matt Damon? Tony Hopkins in Magic with Anne Margaret. What is that? I saw it a hundred years ago. It was not Magic bad. with Anne Margaret and Tony Hopkins? It was about the dummy. Remember the dummy was alive? They made fun of it a whole bunch of times after that. No, I remember Pin. That was also about a dummy that right. the guy thought was alive. Did you see Pin? No. How about Pinhead? Yeah. Or Pinprick? Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> I saw one of those this morning. Robert De Niro, Raging Bull. We got that on there. Anthony, I'm not putting Anthony Hopkins on. He's already got the psycho. That's enough for him. And Robin Williams in The Fisher King? How about Robin Williams in uh, Good Morning Vietnam? Okay, that's, no? that's better than the Fisher King anyway. Yeah, okay, we won't put Robin Williams on there at all. He, he's like I said, good stand-up. Annoying. That would be like giving him the award for uh, that movie I just saw with Matt Damon. What was the movie? The Incredible Mister. Uh, no, not the... talented Mister Ripley. The one I just got through seeing the other day. I was talking about with uh, Good Will Hunting. Uh, what? Yeah. Goodwill hunting. Goodwill hunting. Don't waste your time, okay? Unless you really want to see Matt Damon real bad. Believe me. Nah. <laughs> it was a little bit of bad will that came out. It was all right. There's <laughs> another one. Kill an hour and a half. 1027 at 560 WQM. If you're in a really horseball job, man. I'm sorry, in a really crappy job. Got to be really careful now. Time to right. write another column. Do yourself a big favor, get out of your dead-end job and call Fast Train and get yourself some training for a brand-new, high-paying computer career. When you got some skills, man, is uh, the sky's the limit to how much cash you can make. Look at Beaner Boy there, man. He is on his way to the top. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Toll-free, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. They offer you convenient day, evening, weekend classes. You can check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. And because they're all over town now, there's bound to be a Fast Train location nearby where you live, so it'll be a piece of cake to fit into your schedule to be going there over and over again. In just four short months, you can have a real career. Fast Train's got locations in Miami, Kendall, Pembroke Pines, and Fort Lauderdale. So, that, like I said, there's bound to be one near you. And now is the time to get out of your dead-end job. Say goodbye to that schmuck of a boss of yours and get you a real income. Register at FastTrain.com to receive your free American flag bumper sticker. Wave it in the breeze if you dare. Pick up that phone, call Fast Train today, and be sure and tell them that old Todd Dreck, Mr. Do-Nothing, told you to call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Live, live, and local, we are Sports Radio 560, QAM. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Look up and say, hey, Jewish, 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 Jewish,
1033 at 560. I was just thinking during this break here, even worse, even worse than, uh, you know, demanding that somebody else, or just about demanding somebody else always buy you meals, is not letting them decide where you're going to go. In other words, you're going to pick where it is. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Right, no, Boy, does he have a lot of chutzpah. Yeah. Adding and it always, it always turns out to be crap. So you wind up eating a meal that you really didn't need or want in the first place. You wind up paying for like right. four or five uh, people. And then, uh, and then it turns out to be garbage. Isn't it supposed to be like you invite someone to dinner and right. then you choose the place and then right. you pay? No, remember, he invites me to buy his whole family and uh, his son's girlfriend dinner at a place of uh, his choosing, which and always turns out to be garbage. He invites the wallet to dinner. Done. Done, remember. Bye-bye. Have a good life. Call him up and tell him. I'm not going to. I will be out. 102, when, when the uh, big hand hits the little hand, two minutes after one, I'll be out the door. I'm going to go out to a nice, long seven-hour lunch. Five, six, I'm, I'm thinking this thing we're doing today, which uh, this is going to take a couple of days anyway, don't you think? Yeah. And then we can do a couple of days on the actresses. Okay. Don't you think? And then a couple of days on the neuters. Yeah, the ones that we can't figure out what they are, like Mo Howard Davided. <laughs> Lawyers concludes church leaders use southwest Florida as a dumping ground. This story somebody sent us from the Naples Daily News. Today's paper, no less. Like other spiritual leaders across the country, Bishop John J. Nevins returned from a landmark meeting in Dallas last summer, vowing to rid all wayward priests from the ranks of southwest Florida's Roman Catholic parishes. The bishops have promised to deal decisively with members of the clergy who sexually abuse minors, he said. The Catholic faithful must be assured of the church's commitment to protecting those, all those who entrusted to our care to ensuring that no one who has abused a child in the past, present, or future is permitted to continue in the ministry. But 17 years earlier... Nevins agreed to accept a Kentucky priest, whom he likely knew had admitted to molesting a 15-year-old boy, to lead a Lee County congregation, according to documents released in a series of lawsuits filed in Louisville. Diocese of Venice records show that the Reverend Thomas P. Creaw, who is now 60, served at St. Andrew's Catholic Church in Cape Coral from July 85 through June 86, followed by a six-month stint at St. Raphael Catholic Church in Anglewood. The Venice Diocese oversees more than 50 churches in Collier, Lee, Charlotte, Sarasota, and six other counties in southwest Florida. Two years before Creole was sent to Lee County, he reached a confidential settlement that paid 20 grand to the 15-year-old's family. The Archdiocese of Louisville has acknowledged that same victim, along with four others, is now suing Creole on sexual abuse charges spanning from 83 to 97. The disclosure has prompted calls for the Louisville Archbishop's resignation. My main concern about present and future problems discussed by the bishops is the much-needed documentation for personnel files on any treatment that was offered, accepted, and completed on behalf of individual priests, Nevins wrote. If Thomas Creod received treatment, would it be possible to have a statement for our files? It would benefit us to have supporting evidence regarding the emotional health of any priest who's been charged or accused of immoral actions. The bottom line to this story is that uh, every time a priest was uh, involved with hanky-panky with minors, especially in, in uh, South Florida on the East Coast, what they would do is they would ship them off to the uh, West Coast. Where nobody cares. It says, Tom Zellman, a Naples attorney representing a former St. Anne student who was charged one of the uh, uh, priests with abuse, said his work on a case has led to a troubling conclusion. Catholic leaders in Miami use Southwest Florida as a dumping ground, sending their troubled priest to the other side of the state before the Diocese of Venice was created in 1984. This is the end of the road, he said. If you couldn't make it somewhere else, you could go here. This is the end of the road. Boy, my feelings exactly, man. <laughs> Southwest Florida, and then the rest of it as well. The end of the road, man. End of the line. Bottom of the barrel. The dregs. Dregs with a K. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon wireless line. WQAM. 
by providing clients legal mm. representation and with significant savings in the form of closing costs and interest rate reduction. Maybe this is something good. Member can establish yeah. It never is, though, and that's no. the problem. Maybe it will be something good we might listen. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon line. WQAM. Hey, Neil, how you doing? Okay, sir. How about Morgan Freeman in seven? That was the best all-time performance by an actor? Or Val Kilmer in Tombstone. No. How about uh, Brad Pitt in uh, seven, huh? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? And you know something? He don't even look that good anymore, Brad Pitt. He's looking pretty nasty these days. Even the lovely Brad Pitt is getting old and ugly, okay? All you guys out there, feel better about yourselves. Even Brad Pitt is looking oldy and moldy with that curly cute penis of his. Five six seven oh five. Oh, sorry, Tom. Tom Dick is down there. He's taking notes. <laughs> Pound five sixty on the AT and T and Verizon wireless line. What a! It's just so typical of South Florida. So juvenile. So sophomore. He misses the big stories, and then he takes one little slip of the tongue and makes a whole story about it. And he's too much of a pussy to even mention a person in there by name that he's talking about. What's the point, Tom? What's the point? We understand that you've been intimidated, that you've been deballed, declawed. So just uh, crawl back and keep writing your puff pieces about the network TV shows. Oh, and don't forget, tomorrow night's the night that we see, uh, what's his name's ass? Rackham. Tom Welling, supposedly. I don't know, why are we supposed to be excited about that? I don't know. Why am I you... supposed to be excited about that? I don't care about Tom Welling's ass. Isn't that what we've been asked? Huh? <laughs> to me, there's just, I mean, seeing somebody naked from the back, from the rear, no matter who it is. I mean, I, I could see, like, Britney Spears. You'd like to see her naked from the rear, right? <laughs> Front, rear, side, No, I'm, no, bottom, I'm just talking top, about yeah. the rear right now, just about okay. the uh, sure. back shot. Rectum. The buck shot. I'll take it. But uh, generally speaking, I mean, looking at uh, people naked from the rear, just, uh, for example, yesterday we had that story on our website, U.S. forces make Iraqis strip and walk naked in public. Full with pictures, by the way. Although I don't see any private parts on there, thank goodness. We don't want to be putting no private parts on our website. Then Tom Jick will write a column about it. No, I think they were all sergeants and lieutenants. Really? No time for sergeants. But anyway, here's, uh, it says, on April 25th, the newspaper Dagbladet in Norway published photos of armed U.S. soldiers <laughs> forcing Dagblang it, forcing Iraqi men to walk naked through a park. On the chest of the men had been scrawled an Arabic phrase that translates as Alibaba thief. A military officer states the men are thieves, and this technique will be used again. This is a pretty good article here. And, of course, the no no trial, no uh, no nothing. <laughs> That's the point of the story. They just decided to uh, pick these guys up and uh, try them immediately and do this thing. And brand them for life. Branding this crap on their chest, and they're running around naked. You got pictures in there, by the way, those of you who are really, really desperate, which I know covers a lot of ground in this audience. There's some uh, naked people way off in the background somewhere. There probably might even be a hanging uh, dingling or something in there, you think? Or at least a uh, participle. A hanging participle, a dangling participle. How about the dangling conversation by Simon and Garfunkel? What do you say? Oh, we're not doing music? Not yet. We never did finish that one-hit wonder stuff. No, I still wait. got it, though. I still got it in my drawers. He... Still holding that for a really desperate time, like, you know, next Tomorrow. week. Like next week. Federal and Ontario health uh, ministers, after meeting with, let's see what they say. Win this fight. Thank you. Oh, well, that was the end of it. There we go. Come on, honey. Tell us something good. 
Tell us the SARS well, scare you. is over for Ontario. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here this morning. And, McClellan, and let me Minister say, as Tony has said, the true heroes of the fight against SARS here in the city of Toronto are the men and women standing behind us. Yeah, 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 great. And let me say what a great pleasure it has been this morning for me to be able to spend even a few moments. Oh, God, are you boring, honey? No wonder that nobody wants to come here. 19 before 11 at 560 WQM. I'll tell you a place where everybody wants to go. Oh, I got an announcement to make in the Sun Sentinel this morning. Little announcement. They have their, I guess they're not satisfied just doing it in the uh, City Link and, uh, what's the other one? Uh, New Times, Old yes, Times. Yes, there you go, New Times. They're not satisfied with just doing that, the newspaper. So now they're doing their own to fill up some space. Your favorite restaurant, the best pizza, the bestest. And when I saw, when I saw what they picked for the best pizza, oh my god. Oh, I broke out into a cold sweat when I saw that. <laughs> That may have been true about a hundred years ago, but the pizza loft in Broward County, man, is so heads and shoulders above the rest of the, not just because it's a sponsor, man, they got honorable mention. But when I saw who they lost out to, I thought to myself, man, there must be a lot of people with the glasses with fizzy stuff in them to put their teeth in when they go to dinner. You want to get you a great meal at a very reasonable price? This is the place, Pizza Loft, home of some of the world's best chow. Great Italian goodies, big, big portions, everything fresh to order, and the prices are teeny and tiny. Anybody who wants a discount at the Pizza Loft has really got to be a cheap bastard, I'll tell you that. Pizza Loft's got combination dinners, so if you never ate there before, you can try a little bit of this, sample a little bit of that. they got chicken and veal seafood, three different great kinds of pizza, calzone, super subs, and garlic rolls that are by far and away. The best in the universe. Pizza Loft got two locations for you now, too. The original Broward location is on University Drive between Griffin and 595, right beyond Pier 1 Imports, and Kitty Corner, the great brand-new Armadillo Cafe. Call 954-916-8880 for takeout, for delivery, and catering as low as 5 bucks per person. 954-916-8880. You want the same great food, the same big portions, and the same great deals? The good news is now out by me in Plantation. There's a new Pizza Loft corner of Knob Hill and Sunrise, right beyond Walgreens. Call 954-382-1999. 382-1999. The food is consistently outstanding, and the price is consistently affordable at the world-famous Pizza Loft. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Get off this instant. Queen Awake, Forty-six at five sixty. Speaking of all in the family, one of our great bedtime stories on the website on neilrogers.com today. Halliburton, all in the family, is the name ahead of the story from cbsnews.com. After dropping more than twenty-eight thousand bombs on Iraq, the U.S. has now begun the business of rebuilding the country, and it promises uh, to be quite a business with at least sixty billion dollars to be spent over the next three years. The Iraqi people won't be the only ones benefiting. The companies that land the biggest contracts to do the work will cash in big time. And the early winners in the sweepstakes to rebuild Iraq have one thing in common. Lots of very close friends in very high places. CBS correspondent Steve Croft reports. One is Halliburton, the Houston-based energy services and construction giant, whose former CEO Dick Cheney is now the VP. 
Even before the first shots were fired in Iraq, the Pentagon had secretly, secretly awarded Halliburton subsidiary Kellogg, Brown, and Root a two-year no-bid contract to put out oil well fires and handle on other unspecified duties involving war damage to the country's petroleum industry worth up to $7 billion. And it goes on. You can read it. Read it and weep. How do you like that? Must be just a coincidence, don't you think? Sure, of course. Although there is an article in here on ABC News also, which you'll also read on our website, pretty good one from ABC News, Reason for War, question mark by John Cochran. White House officials say privately the 9-11 attacks changed everything. We sent a message. You remember like Joey Zaza sent right. a message? We sent a message. That was really the purpose, not all this other stuff, all the other excuses. To build its case for war with Iraq, the Bush administration argued that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, but some officials now privately admit that the White House had another reason for war, a global show of American power and democracy. Huh? Mm. Gonna flex our muscle, man, and pick on an easy target that's got basically no military left, and we're gonna show them a thing or three. Officials inside government and advisors outside told ABC News the administration emphasized the danger of Saddam's weapons to gain the legal justification for war from the UN and to stress the danger at home to Americans. We weren't lying, said one official, but it was just a, a matter of emphasis. <laughs> okay, whatever that means. If weapons of mass destruction were not the primary reason for war, what was? Here are the official. Uh, here is the answer. And if uh, officials and advisors gave ABC News, I'm tongue-tied from this. Senior officials decided that unless action was taken, the Middle East would continue to be a breeding ground for terrorists. Officials feared that young Arabs, angry about their lives and without hope, would always be looking for someone to hate, and that somebody would always be Israel and the U.S. See, we did this so they'd like us better. Oh, working great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Europeans thought the solution was to get a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians, but American officials felt a Mideast peace agreement would only be part of the solution and certainly wouldn't up all, all those billions of dollars of contracts for their good friends. Sending a message. So you can read that one also on our website in its uh, completion. Treat Williams as Detective Nanny Cielo in The Prince of the City, and you say... I never saw it. I don't think so. Ted Levine. Who the hell's Ted Levine? Buffalo Bill. Yes, all of these things. Oh, Ted Levine was Buffalo Bill. I'm, boy, you, no. That was the best acting performance by anybody in the history of the movies? I mean, he was good. It was the funniest uh, no-penis dance I ever saw in a movie. You never saw Mad Dog Dance, huh? <laughs> no, no, I can't say that I have. Lawrence Olivier in Marathon Man. What do you say? Uh, not the best performance ever. I mean, it was a good movie, but... Who else no. was in Marathon Man? Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, that's what I thought. We no. drops. Then this fact from Josh in Chicago, very depressing. Neil, please do me a favor and take the pictures of the maimed and dead Iraqi children off the website. No. No, we will not. The point has been proven. No, it is not. I was against the war, and I'm still against the war. I'm sick and tired of people romanticizing the troops. I'm sure that there are some of them who joined the military because of 9-11, but the majority of them are in there to either help pay for college or because their fathers and grandfathers were in there. I bet that many of them are against the war in Iraq, but they have a job to do and are not in the business of questioning the task at hand that can get them arrested. I'm really glad we have the military that we have. I appreciate the sacrifice the troops make to protect us all. I, however, do not like to see them asked to make sacrifices that are not necessary for the better good of America. Say, Josh in Chicago, and we will not take the pictures off the website. We will leave them up there in perpetuity. How do you like that? And we're supposed to be very excited that the little kid, Ali, yeah, not chemical Ali, just little Ali, that had the arms blown off, he's doing a lot better. How do you like that? He's doing great. Well, hmm. not great. Somehow I can't get all excited about that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's doing better, but I just can't get all that excited for him that he's going to be doing just fine. He's not doing as good as he used to be. No. No. 
until we decided to send him a message. A bomb of love. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. By the monotones, the bomb of love. <laughs> oh, that's a good one for Book of Brian. I wonder, wonder who sent him the bomb of love. Could be the USA, something like that. Huh? I like it. You should be writing these. I could, but I don't have the time. Okay, I'm too busy taking people to meals I, that I don't want. I understand. Sir, you may think I'm joking about this, but today is D-Day. Bye-bye, right. bye, Rimmer. Bye-bye. Whole family, the gods of Mishpacha, keep schlepping around and schlepping around. I go to Amsterdam for the summer last year. There they are. Hey, let's go to dinner. It's like some kind of a contest. How many meals can we get Neil to buy us? You know? About 30, man. Now, that, that's the whole deal. How much food can we get him to buy us? And even Farrell at that awful deli the other day, she's throwing me a shtuch about, well, you know, we haven't gone to Ruth Chris in such a long time. I said, oh how many God, meals no. have I bought there for us at Ruth Chris? Which he bought once out of about 150 times we've been there. That's it. Mm. The freebies are over. I'm more concerned about, like, losing a couple of ounces and staying alive as opposed to, uh, you know, feeding these uh, schleppers who live in a much more expensive house than I do. I'll say that again. Five, six, seven. Don't forget, at 11 o'clock, we'll get this group up there. Got it, Eric? Hey, Eric. He's not responding. WQAM. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I don't know. It seems to me like with the uh, the Bushmeister, even before he got elected, that they they had this plan going that they were going into I Iraq and straightening stuff out over there. Right. We already had that on many many times. Yes. Well, I, it's it's a shame. Four years ago. What do we do about our country? Well, what what does that mean? I mean, what's what's an American to do? I mean, are we well, what's an American to do is register to, register them... to vote in next November? Well, when but it's I a... do vote. But you know yeah. what? I feel like I got robbed when I voted last time. Sir, you asked me a question. If you just want to scream and shout and act like some kind of an overgrown emotional no, cripple, I'm, I'm just telling you that we have to get rid of them next November. That's the answer. All right. Well, that's what we'll do. Okay. Thank you. I'll work on it. I've got my uh, registration card. I'm going to go vote twenty or thirty times. Very very depressed. About that one story I told you about, where the hell is it? I got so many bedtime stories. Yeah. About the fags. Oh, no, yeah. Seriously, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I just do not understand it. If you support them, then they'll, they'll turn around and they'll like you and they won't put you in camp. Right. Where, where, now I can't find that story. Probably your fault. I'm sure. Maybe it's on the floor. It's not on the floor. Uh, regime change didn't have to come via war. You know the story I'm talking about, Beaner Boy? Um. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I got it. Yeah. President puts lid on Santorum flap. I have another story about the Sandberg Santorum thing, but this one by Julie Mason of the Houston Chronicle Washington Bureau and the Houston uh, Chronicle newspaper. And she goes on about as governor of Texas, President Bush fought the extension of hate crime laws to protect gays, opposed gay marriage, and once declined to meet with gay Republicans, citing the potential for a political nightmare. Given the history, few in politics were surprised last week when the White House remained tight-lipped for several days before defending Pennsylvania Senator, a Republican Senator Rick Santorum for his remarks comparing homosexuality to incest, bigamy, polygamy, and adultery. And then it goes on later on. I won't bore you. The whole story is on our website. The headline is, President Puts uh, Lid on Santorum Flap. But late in the story, on page three, is one paragraph that makes me so embarrassed and ashamed to want to puke my guts out. <laughs> to a certain that it talks about reaching out to gays has been part of GOP's strategy to cut into margins of traditional Democrat voting blocks, which also includes blacks and Hispanics, outside of the county, that is. And then it says, to a certain extent, the effort is paid off. Exit poll showed Bush won 25% or 1.1 million votes from voters who said they were homosexual. 
1.1 million mm -hmm. self-hating, idiotic, politically naive queens. Queens with a death wish. So it's not just Jews for Hitler, it's fags for annihilation. Same thing. Fags with the death. So that whole business about log cabin Republicans and all these other self-hating faggots, you make me sick, okay? You make me nauseous. I hope that Matt Drudge elopes with you with that damn blue dress with somebody else's stain on it, because it sure won't be his. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. Am I getting worked up or what? It's a little bit. Good. My and local. This is Sports Radio five sixty. UAM. Asshole. What will you do when I kill some more Jews? Will you back off and give me your land? Yes. Lend me a towel and I'll sing you a song and I'll steal from you all that I can. Oh, I kill Jews with a little help from my friends. Mm, I'm bad news with a little help from my friends. Mm, I can't lose with a little help from my friends. What do I do when I blow Jews away? Oh, you love the smell of flesh and bone. Oh, yes, I do. I hope many die by the end of the day, as long as that death is not your own. Oh, no. I kill Jews with a little help from my friends. I'm bad news with a little help from my friends. Oh, I can't lose with a little help from my friends. Do you need anybody? I need somebody to kill. Could it be anybody? A Jew woman or kid fits the bill. Would you take land and then give up the fight? Oh, yes, I tell them this crap all the time. Could you have peace with the Israeli might? I won't stop until the land is all mine. Oh, I kill Jews with a little help from my friends. I'm bad news with a little help from my friends. Oh, I can't lose with a little help from my friends. Yes, I'll kill you with a little help from my friends. With a little help from my friends. Praise be Allah, I'll kill you too. Air, uh, Air India, uh, uh, what you call it? The guys that blew up the plane? Oh, yeah. Facing the Canadian justice system, if convicted, are going to go six months without pot. Oh, man. Alex says, Alex, another chronic faxer who just got some bad taste. Gary Sinese and Ransom? Never saw it. Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive? Or could that be the Fugitive? Mel Please. Gibson and Braveheart? Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> when did the operation take place? Will Smith and Ali and Pierce Brosnan as double O's. Well, that's got to be the worst list I've ever seen in my life, Alex. You're not good, but at least you're consistent. Man, here's another one. Lou in the Bahamas, who's also got uh, problems. Sean Connery in The Hill, 1965. I don't even know what that movie was. <laughs> the Hill? Was it about Anita Hill? A 1972 sleuth, Lawrence Olivier or Michael Caine. Well, when you decide which one you want, Lou, let us know. Sleuth. That was a good movie. Never saw it. What was the best movie Michael Caine was ever in? What was the one he played the swish um, with Christopher Reeve? What was the name of that movie? I forgot. That was pretty one, good. The one that I saw was uh, now I can't think of the name of it. Where and they then were the like... one where he got his hand cut off in the uh, in the trunk of his car. Oh yeah. And a hand started running around killing people. That was the hand. 
which was kind of a takeoff on Guy de Maupassant's The Filleted Hand. Was it? In fact, that's uh, if I was going to go to Ruth Chris, that's probably what I had. Some filleted hand in my <laughs> rear pocket for my wallet. No chance. No more Ruth Chris. Not this year. Not for this kid. I love the place, but no way. The amazing part of it is, you know that they actually would take a reservation for four, for the four of them? I hope they have a wonderful time. 5670560, oh, pound 560 on EAT. We're not going to do this again tomorrow. I was just, I was just funning. So whatever you got, let's do it today. And the pool is up. I'm predicting because I see you and I both voted on there. Let's go. Let's get with it, Eric. Come on. Let's go. It's three minutes after 11 o'clock. Get off your dead, fat, lazy ass up there in Orlando, okay? Let's go. Let's go. When I say the poll is up for the public at 11 o'clock, that's what I mean. Right, Carlos? Right. God, is he slow. Seriously, that's the way all fat people are. That's why we're fat, because we don't move real quick, and we're, like, lethargic, and we're busy eating, you know, uh, both hands in our puss. Come on, fatso. Let's go, sweetheart. WQAM. WQAM. Hola. Let's go. Uncle. See, they're on. They're on too late. Yeah. Too late. You all just like Eric, man. Slow, lazy. They're busy eating. They're shoveling food in their puss. Man, when I think of what that website used to be before uh, we lucked out to find a beaner bro under that overpass, it used to be an embarrassment to me. WQAM. Yeah. Hi. When did he get to talk to Neil? Speaking. Neil? Yes, I am. Um, I just wanted to know something. Um, mm. is, does your mom deny that you're her son? I beg your pardon? Or is, or is she proud of you for being an anti-Semite? Oh, brother. Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Yeah, where does this insanity come from? Um, uh, don't think I'm quite insane. Um, Sound like it to me. Could have fooled me. Easy. No, my, my psychiatrist says I'm really okay. Uh, well, I'm sure you've got fun, a couple of them. But I don't make fun of the Holocaust. I don't make fun. I know you certainly didn't like the restaurant mm -hmm. uh, that you were talking about. Let me, let me say it again. But it was like my experience a, at Auschwitz, okay? To, a to the Holocaust. Let, let me say this, okay? Your sense of humor on a scale of zero. Get lost, bitch, okay? I'll see you in Shul. Katsuhoyz. How do you like that? Oh, my God, let's wring our hands. If you can't have a sense of humor about just about anything, sweetheart, then life ain't worth living, okay? Russian roulette without any empty chambers sounds good to me. 5670560. Oh, my mother is very, very proud. She quells, okay? And she I, loves I the fact her. that I bought her that condo when she's living in there rent-free, and uh, life is pretty damn good right. for an old bag like Corolla. her. And brought her her car. Mm -hmm. No car payments. No apartment payments. That's right. Treat old ma pretty damn good. Can't say it the other way around. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. And let me say it again. It was the Dachau experience. Maybe I got the name wrong. Okay, it wasn't the Auschwitz deli. It was the Dachau deli. That's got more of a ring to it. It was a grotesque, a horrendous experience. I, I, let, let me tell you right now that the people, if they would have just let them out of camp, they wouldn't have eaten there. They said, "Fat." I'm, I'm telling you, they would not have touched the food in that place. They wouldn't have gone in there. They wouldn't have darkened that door. Stop making fun of the Holocaust. I'm it's not making not fun of the Holocaust. Funny. I'm making fun of this uh, Rimmer and his damn choice in restaurants, okay? It was grotesque. WQAM, the Chronic Line 9. Hello. Do you have uh, Robert De Niro in Raging Bull? Yes. Because what did he ever do to you, Neil? Mm, what did I tell you? The Chronic Line mm -hmm. 9. WQAM. Yes, hi, Neil. Yes, sir. How are you today? Okay. This is uh, Jim Lentz. I spoke to you last week. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How come you're calling again, Jim? 
I just wanted to make a suggestion for a movie. I, I listen to your show most every day. Oh, well, you didn't mention that in that long, ponderous letter that you wrote to the uh, newspaper. I know, but I, the suggestion I had was Matthew Broderick and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is the greatest all-time performance by an actor? I loved it. I thought it was the best movie and best performance I've ever seen in any movie I've ever watched. The best movie and the best performance. You're gay. Hey, I'm not gay. That was George. That wasn't me. Don't blame me. I know who that was. Yeah. I'm not okay, gay. Good, good luck to you, Jim. Thank you. Have a good day. And you too. Or not, as the case may be. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty on here. That the professional Jew bitch that called before. Well, people like her just make my skin curdle, make my blood boil, don't they? Do they? I don't see the poll is up. By the way, do you see it on there, Carlos? I do. Well, he's working on it. There was a big list. He's oh. says that I gave it to him in alphabetical order, so he had to go through it and see what he already had. Ah, oh, get out of here! You what he already had? What are you talking about? There aren't that many on here. There's about twenty names on this thing so far. Oh, my God. Once again, here it is. It's eight minutes past 11. We started this thing nice and early in the 9 o'clock hour. And between these two guys, but I beep, but I boop, but get your act together, okay? Get your act together. Sorry. No, not you. I'm talking about Fat Man up there in Orlando. He's probably got 16 of them goddamn breakfast sandwiches from Burger King. Those crow sandwiches with the uh, bacon and cheese with no egg. Mmm. Mmm, I love them. WQAM. Yes, sir. Hey, Neil, how you doing? Okay. Uh, real quick, um, real quick point. I have two. Uh, if you could, please, I'm begging you, Neil, put the asthma Mickey Mouse disc on your website. I have a lot of people who want to hear them. They'll get a okay. chance to listen to you no. And uh, secondly, did you happen to catch the um, Tom Brokaw interview of Dumb uh, uh, Dumb W. Bush? You know, do you really think I would watch that? No, but it was an interesting point that kind of proved everything that you've been saying was right about Bush. Okay. Uh, Tom Brokaw, he was explaining how the, 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 the plans changed for the war. Mm -hmm. And when they um, dropped the bomb, um, trying to catch um, Hussein at the, at the beginning of the war, and he said Rumsfeld called him and said, uh, "Mr. President, the plans have changed." And then he realized what he said. He said, "No, no, uh, well, you know, he can't change it." He said, "Mr. President, uh, can we change the plans?" So he kind of caught himself saying uh, what everybody's been saying that he's not the one in charge. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is running everything. Well, we around. know anybody with a brain knows that, which leaves him out. Right. Okay, Neil. That's all. Okay, Migo. Thank you. Let's see. Sidney Poitier, raisin in the sun. What? Is that the one with the blind chick? I have no idea. I don't even... Uh, half of these movies I never heard of. The best acting performance in the history of the uh, motion picture industry. Sydney, I, if they were to say, guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier? Right. Right? Sure. Absolutely. We put that on there, but they didn't say that. Raisin in the Sun. We'll have to wait for a second endorsement on it, because I never heard of that flick, neither did you. Beaner Boy sure as hell never heard of that. If it's the one with the blind chick, then I saw it. And? And it's it's good, but not the best acting job, uh, you know, by him even. Not, probably not even the best acting job in that movie. I mean, right. like that like that thing for Jaws, right? For the guy that played the crusty old captain on the ship. That's the best. Let me let me read this again. What was the best all time performance in a movie by an actor? How about Dom DeLuise in Fatso? Okay. Then you see what? Huh? Yeah. That's more like it. Dom DeLuise, Fatso, that was a sensational acting job, although in his case he didn't have to act too much, especially in the feeding frenzy scene. Huh? In fact, I don't, I don't think any of them had to act too much in that scene, to be honest with you. Exactly. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T line, WQAM. 
Neil. Yes, sir. I got the winner. Okay. Lee J. Carmel on the waterfront. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's the winner, but that, he deserves it. Lee J. Cobb. Putting it down. On the waterfront. Of course, some people would say Marlon Brando on the uh, waterfront. And what about, uh, what about from The Exorcist with Linda Blair? Now, I realize there were a lot of special effects in there that enhanced her performance, but wouldn't right. you say she was sensational in that movie? Mm. No, okay. <laughs> okay. It was a trial balloon. It was just like what the administration does all the time. I just floated it out there, and as usual, you punctured it. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. You know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Tonight on Fox, lock up the bagels and cream cheese and prepare for a wild ride when Fox presents When Jews Attack, sponsored by the committee to elect George W. Bush and by KFC, where you can get the new GOP bucket. The GOP bucket is all white meat, right wings, and only $29.95. When Jews Attack, tonight on Fox. 11.15 at 5.60. Maybe she'll call back again, okay? We can get her whipped up into a frenzy and she can start squeezing the bag. That old bitch? Oh, no. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor we're asking today? And some of the stuff that you people, as usual on these sur surveys, some of it is so ludicrous. I mean, nobody's even called in Josh Hartnett yet with 40 days and 40... You know what I'm saying. What are you saying? 5670560, oh, pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon wireless line. All these old bubbitchkeys out there, okay? Just get lost, okay? Go out there and uh, get some hamantaschen ready for next Purim. It's a long ways away, but you can never have too many. First, I'm a racist. Now I'm an anti-Semite. What, what, what's going to be next? Are we going to start with the Cubans again? Huh? You're a homosexual. Oh, yeah, homosexual. Well, that goes without saying. WQAM. Hello? Yes, sir. Uh, is this Neil? Yes, sir. Sounds like me. Oh, Neil. Anybody you care to pick in 12 Angry Men, Lee J. Cobb, Henry Fonda, Jack yeah. Clark, Jack Warden, mm -hmm. E.G. Marshall... I mean, talk about male actors, my God. Mm -hmm. That is the quintessential acting performance. That was a great cast, but, I mean, uh, we're asking who gave the best acting performance. I went to pick, but I'll give you another one who was uh, who was overlooked in the Academy Awards, and they gave yes. it to him year, and that was Sidney Poitier in Raisin in the Sun. Huh. And I realized, oh, my God, we blew it. We didn't nominate this guy. Gee, we forgot this guy out there. So is they that the one with the blind, blind chick? Uh, no, Raisin in the Sun is, it's the family living in Chicago that's looking to buy a house in a white neighborhood. Never saw it. Lorraine Hansberry, uh, uh, play. And it's filmed uh, like a play. In, Hemsley? In one room. Raisin mm -hmm. in the Sun. And then they gave it to him the following year for Lilies of the Field. Now this wasn't related like Terry Jackson's Seasons in the Sun? No, no, no. No. Raisin in the Sun. It's a Lorraine Hansberry play, which was... Okay, well, you're the, you're the second one, so I'm going to put it on there. Okay. Thanks. Sidney Poitier, Raisin in the Sun. Or as we say in South Florida, Prune in the Sun. Now, if a raisin was a grape, a prune was a plum, right? Right. And they're prune not prunes anymore. They uh, they're having trouble. They were having trouble marketing them as prunes. So yeah. now they're so now they're dry plums. <laughs> I wonder if you eat enough of them if they give you the dry. <laughs> five six seven oh five runs. Five six seven oh five sixty. There goes Tom Jick again. He's making notes. He's marking the time. Eleven nineteen Monday uh, twenty eighth. 
Just lighten up a little bit, Tom, and stop being such a pussy while you're at it, okay? Stop being such a cowardly little lion. You think I should take line nine? WQAM. Is this uh, Neil? Yes, sir. No, it's not Neil. Okay, it's not Neil. Sorry, Neil. Just kidding. God, how are you? Okay. There's two of them that influenced me when I grew up. Steve McQueen and The Great Escape. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. And I know he's on there a couple of times already, but I thought Dustin Hoffman and The Graduate was uh, terrific, too. Okay, thanks. You bet. <clears throat> no. Dustin Hoffman and The Graduate. That, no. that movie, to me, was highly overrated. Thank you. The only reason that it was a big deal was because it was ahead of its time and was considered right. like taboo, you know, Anne Bancroft. She was, and I love Anne Bancroft, but mm -hmm. she was she was old then. Right, right. Huh? Yeah. I mean, not real old, not ancient, but she was, uh, and I love it when she said, You ain't the only! That was my favorite. <laughs> no, actually, she was better in Fatso than she was in that movie. No question. Right? She right. was great in Fatso. In fact, she wrote Fatso, I believe, and directed it. That's right. I mean, Dom Delaware's got all the credit because he ate most of the food. Except for the old lady in the store who ate the one, uh, remember that? Nah, I better not. Well, maybe, nah. Okay, I'll have one. <laughs> remember that part? Yes. Okay, I'll have one. And then, then the scene when he went to the doctor, the diet mm -hmm. doctor? <laughs> I don't eat smoking. Oh, that was phenomenal. Do not eat grapes, do not eat this, do not eat pizza. Do not, that wrinkled up old, talking about a prune, that wrinkled up old nurse. She was the best. Lasagna for you, kale for me with chicken. <laughs> Boiled chicken. Boiled chicken. Wow. <laughs> WQAM. Good morning. How are you? Pretty good. This is uh, Terry Sawchuk. I have a great uh, movie. Yeah. It's uh, John Travolta in Greece. Oh, my God. That was just on the other day here. I love that movie. You love John I... Travolta, huh? Yes. Excellent. Well, say hi to Tim Horton for us. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, uh, Terry. Terry Sawchuk called from the other side. Maybe Bill Barilko is going to be called in the next hour. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. Are we going to put that down? I don't think so. No. Uh, we sh we aren't putting too many of them down. Well, you know, I mean, we could put down a thousand of them, but then of course Eric will really get bent out of shape and all porked up because uh, you know it's an awful lot of work for a fat guy for him up there. Plus, he's so damn busy. He's got conference calls. He's got a thousand other clients. He's getting pissed off because Carlos embarrassed him by upgrading our website so brilliantly. Isn't he upset, Carlos? What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? We're going to do actresses tomorrow. You got it? Yeah. You know who I'm thinking of for actress right off the bat? <gasps> who? Are you starting with Eric again, you two? You're not fooling me. I don't, I, don't even have to, I don't need no webcam. I don't need to be there. I'm like a little fly on the wall from 1,200 miles away. I was starting to say before you went in another one of your spastic uh, attacks... <laughs> I was about to say Betty Davis in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Okay. Now Joan Crawford would be good, but I, I thought I thought uh, Betty Davis was better in it, didn't you? Yeah. I know I'm not a big fan of hers, but that was a good performance. That's not the question. Who I'm the biggest fan. So we're we're not, see, we've done that. Who's your favorite actor? Who's right. your favorite actress? Who's the best? We're asking the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor, even if you despise them. That's even what if I'm you hate them like poison. Never liked her, but that was a great Why didn't you like Betty Davis? She, uh, her face bugged me. She I mean, I could understand Joan Crawford with the shoulder pads her and too. that real dikey thing. Her, too. Yeah. Overrated. I, I would agree with that. Much to do about nothing, Joan Crawford. Daniel Day-Lewis and My Left Foot. 
<laughs> they're they're serious. He got all kinds of uh Get out of here. Are you kudos. kidding me? He might have won an Oscar or something from that. Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis and My Left Foot? Yeah. Oh. They're serious. Everybody's afraid. One of the most acclaimed films of our time is now the musical event of the decade. You put your left foot in, you put your left foot out. A story about what it means to hope. A story about what it means to hop. Starring Academy Award winner Daniel Day-Lewis. That's what it's all about. My Left Foot, the musical. You put your left foot back in, you put your left foot back out. My Left Foot, the musical. This time, he's putting his best foot forward. See, there you go. You name it, we got it. Are we going to put that on there for serious? No, you tell me. I don't know. I never saw that movie. Let's put it down there, just okay. to humor them. Daniel Day-Lewis and My Left Foot. 5670560. Oh, if you're going to put your foot in your mouth, make, always make sure it's your left foot. Although, no, that used to be, that's before Bush got in. Now make sure it's your right foot. WQAM. Hello. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to vote. I beg your pardon? I'd like to vote in the poll. Go ahead. Henry Fonda, The Grapes of Wrath. Henry Fonda, The Grapes of Wrath. Okay, thanks. Don't eat too many, though, because at your advanced age. What do you say, Henry Fonda and The Grapes of Wrath? I don't know. It was so long ago. I know. I'm not putting that down there. We're not putting any, any movie before 1800. We're not putting on there. <laughs> Boy, we sure got a lot of oldie moldies out there today. You know what? And that old fetch that called before, bitching me out. I'm, I'm an anti-Semite. I'm this, I'm that. I should only croak. I should uh, get in drear, something like that. You got the gay part right. WQAM. Uncle Neil? Yes, sir. Hey, Uncle Neil, listen, I know Pacino's on the uh, list already. Don't don't but... be defensive, okay? Give us your best uh, choice here. Okay, I was absolutely riveted by his performance in uh, Sense of a Woman. Uh, oh! The film he won the Academy Award for. Oh, my God. Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! hoo When he got pulled over by the, uh, the the policeman while he was driving the Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, immediately in that film, I, I felt that he was without... And I thought the performance was just absolutely fantastic. Really? So I, I was wondering if you might put that on the list. No, but thanks anyway. Hoo-ah! <laughs> it was one of the worst movies I ever saw in my life. I did like Chris O'Donnell, but that's because he kept taking his pants off. Huh? I uh, still haven't seen it. No, don't. <clears throat> don't, please. Do yourself a big favor. As a matter of fact, you know, that would be another good pull. What movie would you recommend for people never to go see? Oh, that's a good one. Huh? Movies that you've seen that, we'll save that for uh, Friday. <laughs> Something like that one. It's movie week on the Neil Rogers Show. Oh! Why the hell not, okay? Let's lighten it up a little bit. i got a few bedtime stories in here, including, I'm going to read one a second time, which I rarely do. Not not that much of it. Just a little, uh, just about 45 pages. No, seriously, just a little bit. Williams William Rivers Pitt, New York Times best-selling author, who's got two uh, books: War on Iraq and The Greatest Sedition of Silence. Just, just like a, a page, really. And I read this a couple of weeks ago, but this uh, deserves being read again. I mean, it's just it, he just got his thumb right on it. For those people out there that are trying to rationalize this insanity that's going on now called the American government, I just mentioned that in passing. 1127 at 560 WQM. If you've been thinking about buying a new barbecue or any barbecue accessories, you must go to one place, Barbecues Galore. Why? Because they're the best. Get a head start on the barbecuing season with the perfect grill and accessories, all at the guaranteed lowest prices in the world. 
Barbecues Galore carries barbecues in every price range, from the top-of-the-line commercial-grade stainless steel grill to the more portable Weber charcoal grill. Their popular three-burner cook-on has a generous 625-square-inch cooking area and 42,000 BTUs, all for a great low price. Get it on a hardwood, steel, or enclosed grill cart for just 399 bucks, or upgrade to the sleek black pedestal base, really sharp-looking, for just 439 bucks. For all your barbecue needs at the guaranteed lowest prices, don't forget this is the only place you need to be thinking about. Barbecues galore with two locations for you. They're in Plantation and University between in the Fountain Shopping Center. Call 954-423-1400. 423-1400, and in Coral Springs, they're at 7485 West Sample Road at the corner of Sample and Rock Island Roads. Call 954-757-6668. 757-6668. Don't forget, for the biggest selection of barbecues anywhere in the USA, it's barbecues galore. We are Sports Radio 560 QAM. F*** you. Hey, how the hell are you? Welcome to Jack in the Box. I'm Jack, and I'll be happy to fill your order, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'd like a Jack burger and a large fries. Sorry, pal, we're cleaning the grease fryer. We don't have any French fries today. Okay, uh, then just give me a small order of fries, please. Look, Chief, maybe you didn't hear me. I said we don't have any fries today, so how about something else? Oh, okay, then uh, just give me an order of fries. <sighs> Listen up, pal. Who put the straw in strawberry? Nature did. That's right, nature did. Who put the ape in apricot? Nature did. That's right, nature did. Now listen carefully. Who put the freak in french fries? There ain't no freak in french fries. That's what I've been trying to tell you, butt breath. There ain't no freak in french fries. Now get out of my sight before I shove your teeth so far down your throat. You'll have to sit on a Jack Burger to eat it. Oh, and have a nice day. He's killing a man. Jack Nicholson, Cuckoo's Nest 23. Mr. McMurphy. Man, that was a good movie. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and get the uh, DVD today. Okay. Cuckoo's Nest. Because i got a lot of time to kill because I'm not going to be around the apartment. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. be answering the phone. I'm just not. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm absolutely done with them. I just This whole performance of theirs here was just uh, beyond description. Al Pacino in Scarface, 18. Marlon Brando in The Godfather, 18. Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs, 14. George C. Scott, Patton, 9. Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man, 8. Peter Finch and Network, Scott, 7. Oh, all right. Excellent. And down from there. Now, Marlon Brando, we've had a couple people say on the waterfront. Now, who did we? We had Lee J. Cobb from on the waterfront. And at the time, did I say to that caller, we probably ought to put Marlon Brando on the waterfront? Let's do that, Carlos or whoever. Got it? We got it. Uh, Marlon Brando on the waterfront. Uh, Sir Alec Guinness, Bridge on the River Kwai. Bridge on the River Kwai. Got it? Got it. On the waterfront. Eva Marie Saint was in there. Oh, and speaking of actresses, when we do the one tomorrow with the greatest performance by an actress of all time in any movie ever... How about Kathy Bates in Misery? Oh, yeah. Since I was thinking of James Conn. I mean, James Conn was great in The Godfather, but he was no Marlon Brand. Now, bing, you blow their brains all over your nice side relief suit. Huh? He, he was great. Mm-hmm. You think we ought to put him in there for The Godfather? Listen to it. Now, bing, you blow their brains all over your nice side relief suit. <laughs> he was great. Pretty dramatic. What are you going to do? Not? Nice college boy, huh? They want to get mixed up in the family business? Huh? Now you want to gun down a police captain? Why? Because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Huh? What do you think? This is the army where you shoot him a mile away? 
You got to get up close like this. Bada bing! You blow their brains all over your nice side relief suit. Come in. <laughs> You're taking us very personal. Taking it very personal. Yeah, we got to put him on here. Right. James Conn, the Godfather. Now he'd be okay for misery too, but I, I think uh, he was much better in Godfather. Huh? Absolutely. Well, everybody was great in Godfather. There wasn't. He a was bad also great in Brian's song, wasn't that James yeah. Conn? Was in Brian's yes, song. It was. But that was that was that was such a syrupy, tear-jerky oh, movie, huh? Oh, that was like Lasty Come Home or whatever that was. Five six <laughs> with the June Lockhart. Five six seven oh five sixty, pound five sixty on the AT and T in Let's see, Marlon Brando on the waterfront. Such a subtle performance of an overpowering character. The scenes with a girl, him giving her his gum, following uh, her, and uh, I'm, I'm just reading Claudia's facts. And of course, the scene is well, Carl Malden. And his brother in the car, Carl Malden, a big nose. Do you know Carl Malden is still alive? So I hear. And he's got this illness. I forget what they call it. Where your eyelids droop. Okay. I don't remember what that is. But at any rate, I read about in the, uh, one of the tabloids. And so he had to go to some specialist because he was going blind because his, he couldn't keep his eyes open. Huh. Kind of like when you listen to Mo show, you can't keep your eyes open. And so they, the doctor it puts this kind of like spring-like thing around his eyelids so on the inside, so they stay open now. Huh. Like 92, Carmel. Love Carl Malden. Good actor. Uh-huh. He was also in All Fall Down. Right. Oh, how about Brandon DeWilder, All Fall Down? I never saw it. You never saw that with Warren Beatty? Right. Never how about it. Warren Beatty in uh, Bugsy? Okay. Or Shampoo. Also, Claudia says, Marlon Brando in Last Tango in Paris... It says, ugh, I was off butter for a month. I don't know why, because I didn't see the movie. Off butter, what were they doing? I don't want to hear what they were doing with it. I don't want to hear what they were doing with it, because then Tom Jick will write about it, whatever you said. George did it, Tom. I didn't do it. I want you to cut your fingernails off so you can shove your fingers. Oh, no. Rectum. Oh, no. (laughs) And that was one of the cleaner parts in the movie. I'll bet it was. We don't want to hear about no, no disgusting stuff like that, because then little Tommy will write an article about that. When, speaking of little people, when's little Maddie Bell going to come bouncing through there? Tuesday or Wednesday this week? Tuesday or Wednesday this week, right. Really? Really. You already got the word on that? No. Then we get the hour by hours on this rating book that came out on Friday on one of the most psychotic days in the history of this program. We're number one, damn it! And Mo moved up in the world there. He had a nice book, I'm pretty sure, with our assistance in that 9 to 10 hour. We don't know about the Mad Dog because that all gets lumped in there into the 10 to 3. I'm sure he did fine. The Humper moved up a little bit, didn't he? Moved from a 4-2, mm-hmm. I think, to a 4-8 in men. He was number three. We were number one. And Mo, moving up to number five, but you still got a way to go, Mo. Lift that baby up there a little bit. Lift it up, okay? And the piece, too. Get, I, I think we ought to get dry concepts in there, like dry clean his uh, hair pieces. Jack Nicholson, cuckoo's net. Now, don't we have any drop-ins? I played the uh, uh, jack-in-a-box. We don't have any drop-ins from cuckoo's nest, do we? Uh, not that I can think of, no. Not yet, Beaner Boy. I just mentioned that in passing since Beaner Boy did such a great job on the Godfather ones. We need a lot more Godfather ones, too. Right? Shall it be done? I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. And then there was my favorite. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> oh, God! Anybody ain't seen the Godfather, we're going to, like, deport you. We're going to send you to Mexico. Beaner Boy's making the arrangements right now, as a matter of fact. Okay, so let's see. What do we got? I'm not going to read the whole list again. The most recent ones. Lee J. Cobb on the waterfront. Paul Newman. Cool Hand Luke. Somebody said Paul Newman in uh, The Hustler. Right. What do you think? I thought his performance in Cool Hand Luke was way better, but what okay. do I Okay. Ernest Borgnine and Marty. No? 
How about, I'm already how about, are you kidding? I thought you were joking. I'm reading the list. Okay. How about Mikhail's Navy? <laughs> all right, there you go. That's Gregory better. Peck to kill a mockingbird. Oh, that get that Jewish uh, bitch all upset. It was a movie about anti-Semitism. She ought to watch it, okay? I think it was about her. George C. Scott Patton, we got that on there. Thank you. In fact, we have several on here. But anyway, it says, I just tuned in. Please tell me if these have been on there. Uh, Ray Milland, The Lost Weekend. Now, nah, that's a hundred years ago, Ray Milland. I mean, Ray Milland was a good actor, but that's a thousand years ago. How about Bella Lugosi and Dracula? Aha! Okay. Huh? All right. No? I'm agreeing. Are you kidding me? Bella Lugosi and Dracula, that could have been a great, that could be the winner right there. Don't you agree, Carlos? Yes. Now, please don't tell me you never saw that. Please, I'm begging no, I've seen it. Huh? I've seen it. And you didn't think that was an unbelievable acting performance? It was a very good acting performance. Even if he never spoke, even if it would have been a silent movie, which it was 32 and it was just a few years after, that, uh, just the eyes, just his eyes alone, that scene where, where he stares down Professor Van Helsing. They used to really have to know how to act. Van Helsing, come here. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And he takes he's one step forward and one step back, and he holds up the crucifix. And then Bela Lugosi did like that. Yeah. That's when he started doing that, is when he saw the crucifix and the wolf bane. He tried to smoke it, I noticed. <laughs> smoke it or shoot it. Yeah, we're going to make uh, smoking wolf bane legal in Canada in a couple of days. Oh! And then we'll work on the real good stuff. All this bull crap with America. We can't do this and you can't do that and this is illegal and that's illegal and everybody's got to go to jail and yada yada. All of a sudden, talk about concentration camps, man. That lady, uh, she ought to thank me for bringing up the memory again. Because if we leave it up to this administration, there are going to be a lot of us heading off to a free summer in camp. I'll guarantee you that. Lady. 20 till noon at 560 WQM in the summertime, one of the most important things of your home in South Florida is your pool. And if you got a crappy pool that looks dirty and stained and really, uh, maybe it's even cracking too, that ain't gonna cut it. So just say no mole mess in my pool and call our good friends at Atlantic Marsite to straighten out that mess for you. These aren't just a couple of pool guys that drive up and down and tool around town, pool tool guys that drive around a little beat up rusty old pickup truck with a bunch of pool crap in the back. This is a real construction company, real professionals. Look it up in the book. They use only full-time employees, not subcontractors. Atlantic Marsite specializes in the most incredible innovation in the pool business in a century, Diamond Bright. Atlantic Marsite's been pouring it on for 12 long years. They're licensed, they're insured professionals who even know their stuff. And not only do they know it, but they know it so well, they train other companies internationally how to do Diamond Brighting right. And they'll give you the same price they give to the contractors as well. You'll find them in North Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach. So call Atlantic Marsite. They're the biggest and the best installers of Diamond Bright anywhere in South Florida. They'll come right to you with absolutely no obligation. They'll give you a free estimate. They do a super job of pool and deck renovations, custom lighting, pool heating, and exotic water features, too. For the best job at the fairest price, call Atlantic Marsite toll-free, 1-800-558-8883. Tell them that old Neil, who swims, I swim like a like a uh, whale. And you? I float like a beach whale and float like a butterfly. Call Atlantic Marsite, 1-800-558-8883. Don't forget, Diamond Bright, do it right, because Diamond Bright is a pool's best friend. And this is Sports Radio 560, QAM. It's Dave in Miami Town at 560 WQAM. The following is a paid public service announcement from the International Rifle Association. Let's face it, most of us will never be rich. Hell, we probably won't even be successful, and that's pretty damn depressing. But, as usual, with every problem, there is a solution. 
Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm here to tell you a little something about handguns. They scare the shit out of people and intimidate them into giving you whatever you want. That's right, handguns. Think about it. Need some cash? Rob a bank. Don't have enough money for beer? Pull up a convenience store. Take some chips and pretzels while you're at it. It's all free if you've got a handgun. Some son of a bitch cheating on your girlfriend? Kill him. It's a simple solution to life's complex problems. All you have to do is wait the five days for it, and happiness is just around the corner. Hell, if you don't want to wait the five days, who cares? Buy the damn thing off the street. Just buy a lot of handguns. It's a great alternative to working problems out and to be considered a population controller. Yes, handguns. They just might make you famous. 11.45. We're not having a problem with the audio on the Internet, are we? Who are you asking? Not that you, I anybody. N no. Because this one of facts you said here, it says, is there any ETA when I can uh, listen on the Internet again? I'm in Broward, the AM reception is horrible. <laughs> News to us. Eric's listening. Eric is listening, and Lynn is listening, your good friend Lynn Samuels, mm -hmm. because she just uh, turned me on to a story that I got right here about, uh, which is why I played that handgun thing. I'll get to it in a second. It's signed, thank you, D. Kennedy. Maybe it's Dr. James Kennedy. Maybe you can't uh, figure it out. Huh? It says, I vote for Dustin Hoffman as Rayman or Al Pacino as Devil and Devil's Advocate. Could you please play one of the Mickey Mouse? Yes, I will. Thank you, D. Kennedy. Thank you, Dr. Jim. Speaking of anti-Semitism, not you, Faxer. Anyway, this is disturbing, CNN, but not surprising. Florida Governor Jeb Bush thanked the National Rifle Association Saturday for helping elect his president, uh, his brother president in 2000. Bush, the keynote speaker at the gun lobby's annual convention, noted that 48% of the voters in the 2000 presidential race were gun owners based on exit polls. NRA support played a key role in several states, including Florida, where the vote was so close that the U.S. Supreme Court, well, we know that. Were it not for your active involvement, it's safe to say my brother would not be president of the U.S. The younger Bush said, oh, another reason to despise the NRA. Say oy vey to the NRA. The governor said he and his brother both support the NRA's contention that the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which contains the right to bear arms, is an individual right with few restrictions. The sound, oh, wait till you hear this. Oh, my God. Heinrich Himmler would be so proud of this, I'll tell you right now. You understand the Gestapo keeps track of everyone. The sound of our guns is the sound of freedom, said Bush, to thunderous applause from the gun group. This in a country and in a state where they stole the election from uh, the public, but nevertheless. Earlier, gun control advocates protested outside the Orlando Convention Center where the NRA was meeting. Now, this must have been a meeting where uh, uh, Charlton was uh, fumbling around, right? You must son have been. of a bitch. Yeah. Members of the Brady campaign and the Million Mom March were protesting the NRA's legislative agenda, which includes allowing a ban on certain assault weapons to expire in 2004 and giving gun makers immunity from product liability lawsuits. We believe the public does not want Uzis and AK-47s with large magazines that hold dozens of rounds back in their neighborhoods, said Mary Lee Bleck, director of the Million Mom March. Bleck, not Dreck. Bleck. How do you like that, huh? The governor said, oh, that line, that one line, it is chilling. The sound of our guns is the sound of freedom. I bet you the Iraqis thought so, too, don't you? It was Operation oh, yeah. Iraqi Freedom, except for those stupid ones that got in the way. Right, and the sound of bombs must be the sound of uh, joy and freedom. Oh, <laughs> the ultimate emancipation. Like I told you, death by elimination. I mean, uh, what was it? <laughs> emancipation by elimination, whatever it is. I think I was right the first time. Here's Big Arnie says, has anybody said Jack Nicholson in The Shining? Here's Johnny. Good choice. Yeah, good choice. I already wrote it down. Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Jack's already leading the way with Cuckoo's Nest. 31 vote. Marlon Brando with The Godfather, 22. 
Al Pacino in Scarface, 21. What about uh, Rocky Echeverria in Cape Posse, USA? I mean, <laughs> uh, he was in Scarface. Yeah, he was. Did a way better acting job than uh, Al Pacino did, I'll tell you. Really? Yeah, I thought so. I saw that movie so long ago, and I would never see it again. It was campy. Yeah, it was really weak. It was kind of like Godfather 3, like Pacino's performance in that movie. Maybe they should fear you. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That, that, see, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of bad performances near Eli Wallach. I mean, he should have ate the cannoli before they made the movie. <laughs> but, so, but so the fact, and Sophia, well, I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> and, and that's another one, you know, that, that should have happened right in the beginning of the movie, been a lot better. She could have got shot while he was sitting there eating the cannoli. Get a twofer deal. But as much criticism as that movie gets for the, uh, weak dialogue, there are not enough people who point to the weakest parts of it, and that is the attempt to go back to the first two and bring back lines and to do it in such a corny and pathetic right. way. Now, what was the point in that? We remembered what the first two were all about. Recycling. It's cheap and easy. Oh, but recycling the same lines and doing it poorly? Yeah. Michael, now they will fear you. Maybe they ought to fear you. And then they're in a kitchen just before he goes into his diabetic stroke. And uh, don't ever tell anybody outside the family. And in the meantime, they're not talking to anybody outside the family because they're all right. sitting there in the kitchen. It's them. It's the ganze Mishpacha, the gangster Mishpacha. <laughs> right? Right. So so he they just throw in a line there from the first one where he's talking to Santino about after they have the meeting there with, uh, what's his name? What was his name? I forgot. Come uh, on. Salazzo. Oh. See, leave it to an old fart like me. I got no brain. I got Alzheimer's. And I, I know Salazzo. In That's fact, true. his name was Virgil Salazzo. How do you like that? Hey, hey. Ha ha! Messing with a guy like me on The Godfather. You can act like a man! What's the matter with you? Yeah. But anyway, so after that scene, he tells Santino, don't ever tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking. What's the matter with you? I think you're playing too much comedy with that young girl. That's where that scene was. I think your brains are going soft. Yeah. The bing! You blow their brains all over your nice side relief suit. What's the matter with you? I think your brains going soft. Exactly. So then they bring that line back in the kitchen just before he goes into his diabetic spasm there. Just totally out of place. Doesn't make any sense. I'll tell you, it really bugs me is, is Andy Garcia. What the movie yeah. did I see him in recently? He, he gets on my nerves. Now, maybe maybe it's because of that alien business. Uh, must be. He's only ever been adequate in movies. Right. No, I, no, but I'm saying maybe that's why he bugs me. Maybe I'll right. hold that against him, which I did, because mm -hmm. I thought that was... I mean, you talk about pandering. Unbelievable pandering. He, well, he had a right to do it, but I just, I thought it was, uh, pathetic. Him and Gloria Stefan. Didn't we mention this on Friday? Yeah. Oh, well, I forgot we had so much stress going on on Friday. I think Garcia always tries to act like the, the hot-tempered Cuban that always beats up on his women. Every movie that he's yeah. in, he has to punch out a woman. Yeah, he's always playing the same. Always the same role. Just like poor, poor, uh, what's his name? Jo Joey Zaza. He gave him a message. Ben Kingsley in Sexy Beast. I've seen it listed on the uh, cable channel. should have won an Oscar, Rob, by Russell Crowe. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Five six seven oh five sixty, pound five sixty on the AT and T line. WQAM. Hello. Hello, Dale. Yes, sir. How are you? Good. Hey, I got a question for you. Would you, re you read in the paper where they're going to spend one hundred ten million dollars on the uh, Turnpike expansion so more people can get on it? No. They've got the. Uh, they're going to put the sun passes from. County Line Road North, they could spend $110 million on that and get more people on a road that's supposed to be free instead of spending on education in Florida. Mm -hmm. So for my uh, vote for the poll, any of the Bushes for a leadership role? 
Okay. What? What? Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. Does anybody have any idea what he just? No. WQAM. QAM. Hello. Hey. Uh, See it work. Steve McQueen and Papillon yeah. or Dustin Hoffman. Steve McQueen and what? Papillon. Oh, Papillon. Papillon. Yeah. Or uh, how about Paul Newman in uh, The Hustler? Hello? Okay, thanks. We already got Paul Newman. We already asked about that. Steve McQueen and Papillon. I agree. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Got it? Got it. Two L's, by the way. Oh, that's right. You would know. It's French. I know that. That's why oh, I Papillon. We. Five, six, seven. Oh, oh French. Well, we should, is it a freedom movie? <laughs> As a matter of fact, they, they do wind up free, don't they? There you go. Did we, how come we didn't do the conversation with Gene Hackman? We did have French Connection. Know. Right. I thought his performance in a conversation was just astonishing. Yeah, I don't agree. Out of mind. Sure, I do. It was a long time ago, though. Okay. Well, so was Dracula. Well, but I mean, everybody's seen that like a hundred times. How about Lon, Lon Chaney Sr. in The Hunchback of Notre Dame? No Nobody question. ever saw that. Silent movie. Although, personally, I like Anthony Hopkins' Hunchback better. No. He wasn't hairy enough. In fact, if, if would, Ron Jeremy could have played it if he'd have been around then. He could have. He Without played that role. You notice one thing about the Lon Chaney family, Harry. Yeah. Well. Because Lon Chaney Jr. was always in the Wolfman movies. Mm -hmm. Very hairy family. 5670560. Oh, How about when Sally met pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon wireless line? I'm not into hairy myself. Uh, Jack Nicholson and Cuckoo's Nest, 33. The best acting performance ever by an actor tomorrow we'll do actresses and on wednesday we'll uh, take the day off marlon brando in the godfather 23 so jack nicholson is leading by 10 I, i'm surprised at that aren't you yeah al pacino in scarface 22 dustin hoffman rain man 19 anthony hopkins silence of your lambs 19 george c scott and Patton 11 peter finch in network 8 you ought to be doing a lot better than that, I'll tell you right now. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh! Tom Hanks. Oh, wait a minute. What did I pass over? Uh, Passover. Al Pacino, <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon's got eight. Tom Hanks in Philadelphia's got eight. Do you know that somebody, I guess you do, because you already see the faxes before I get them. Somebody said Tom Hanks either for Philadelphia or, uh, what was the other one? The box of chocolate? Uh, uh Forrest, Forrest Dump. Dump yeah. Forrest Dump. Mm. Can you believe that? Who could have answered that? And they sent the fax with a straight face, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> the word on the street is they sent that fax with a straight face. Forrest Dump, life is like a box of chocolates. If that's somebody's idea of good acting, man, holy cow. As the scooter would say, holy cow. Is he still doing the games? I sure hope not. Cora, get the coffee on. It's the sixth inning. I'm coming home. I'm old and feeble. I sure hope he ain't doing the. In fact, they should change the name of the Yes Network to the. No. For the Yankee games, I don't know. Baseball to me is terminal. I mean, even George ain't watching as much as he used to. Not not anymore, no. No, especially them Tiger games. Eleven fifty-six, four minutes till noon at five sixty. WQM, we got the Mad Dog. All right. At one o'clock, we got the Humper <laughs> coming at three this afternoon from Shula Steak too. We got the Big oh. at seven. Marlins baseball and Arizona to play the World Champion Diamondbacks. Eddie K after baseball and Mark Eisenberg all alone overnight. Because Joe is on a cruise. He's cruising it. Hey, why not cruise on down to Hallett Pontiac GMC in South Day to 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's US 1 right across from the falls. Same great location. They've been notorious for about a thousand years. 
and talk to my good buddies Tom Lehman, Joe Prieto, and all the no, uh, nonsense people down there because they'll give you a great Neil deal right now. Neil deal <coughs> number one, get yourself 0% financing for 60 months on every Pontiac or GMC in stock right now at Hallett Pontiac. Neil deal number two, get yourself up to a $4,000 rebate on every new GMC and Pontiac in stock. That is correct. Get up to a $4,000 rebate on every new car or truck in stock at Hallett right now. And Neil deal number three, if you're currently a GM Smart Lease or Smart Buy customer and you drive a Chevy Blazer, an Old Bravado, or GMC Genie, buy or lease you a new Pontiac or GMC and get an extra $1,000 off the price. And while you're at Hallett, why not test drive the all-new and powerful Pontiac Grand Prix? I guarantee you'll be impressed. Don't forget, they're open every day, seven days a week at Hallett. If you want more information on any of the Neil deals, i got a special line. Call the Neil Deal hotline toll-free at one 534 That's one and don't forget, all Neil deals are subject to credit approval. See dealer for details at Hallett Pontiac GMC. They are professional grade. Live, live and local. We are Sports Radio 560. QAM. Hey, I'm Frau Eliana Ross Leitman. And I like scrubbing my smelly gorilla ass with soap made from jewels. And listening to the Neil Roche Communista Hour. Mr. Mouse? No. Uh, who's it? It's Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner? Hold on a second. Yeah. Remus! Remus! I can't hear you, boss. I'm 
Davis, I'm on the phone. Can't hear you, boss. Stop drilling. What are you making? Making a new credenza, boss. What's wrong with my old credenza? Your shellac am shot. My shellac am shot? That's right, shellac am shot. Oh. Make you do it. Oh. What? Oh, I don't care who you have on this nightmare. Well, we definitely have some major A-listers, sir. We've got Scott Bakula uh-huh. and Leonard Nimoy. Even Remus doesn't remember Leonard Nimoy. Sure I do, boss. Remus, I wasn't addressing you. Sorry, boss, but he was from Father Knows Best. Oh, my God. I'm surrounded by idiots. Hey, Remus, I thought I told you to put that harmonica up your butt. Sorry, I farted, boss. Oh, don't fart in the office, Remus. <laughs> Twelve oh three at five sixty WQM. It's our noon to one hour. Boy, this thing has moved like lightning today. You know it. Showed up. I don't know what that is. Not that I'm complaining. Just no. because sometimes, sometimes I feel like life is passing me by. Here's one. Uh, James Basket played Uncle Remus in Song of the South. <laughs> I thought Song of the South was an animated movie. Parts of it were. Remember, he was live. I, I don't, are you kidding me? Do you know when I saw that? I don't know. It's about a hundred years ago. When I was just a little child, about 400 years ago. Alex is trying another list. Now, see, here again. Here's the question on our poll today. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? Not what were the 45 best performances. Not what were the 600 best performances. You got it? Got it. But these people don't get it. Because Alex now has got five more. Although the first one is pretty uh, compelling. Ned Beatty in Deliverance? Yeah. I agree. Do, do you? Now, who was best? Who was best in Deliverance? That's a tough one. That's I guess I, you'll have to ask them guys up in the woods who was best. <laughs> I think the most intense drama though came from Ned. Yeah, wrecked him. He sure did. He acted like it hurt. This corn is special. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ned Beatty in Deliverance. Now, Burt Reynolds was actually good in that. He was well, good. Another movie Burt Reynolds was good, and that was Boogie Nights. Two. We got two. Got two. What? For Burt. Because I agree, he was uh, he was uh, unoffensive, unobtrusive, just fine in Boogie Nights. No, but not see, uh, isn't that ridiculous? Are you listening to this, Peter Boy? It gets worse by the day. Un- I un- think. Unobtrusive is not the greatest acting performance. You wouldn't describe as unobtrusive. Oh, I wasn't saying it deserves to be on the list. Oh, I was just saying it wasn't bad. No, there were two movies that Burt Reynolds were in that we actually enjoyed, and that's because Dom DeLuise wasn't in. Which I like Dom DeLuise, but not with Burt Reynolds. Oh, you know, they're a little bit too wrong. cozy for me. Those Smokey and the Bandit movies. Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. You think Burt would make one of those with his wig off? <laughs> or with his He's wig another off. guy with a real bad hairpiece. Ned Beatty and Deliverance. We got that on there. Okay. Kirk Douglas and Spartacus. Yeah. Nah. Huh? You say I love, yes? I love you, Spartacus. No, I was just acknowledging you. I mean, I like Spartacus a lot, but, uh, you know, whatever. How about Tony Curtis? Let's see, James Conn was really good in The Gambler, but nobody saw it. We'll take your word for it. Martin Landau as Bela Lugosi and Ed Wood. He was nominated. Yeah, he was great. He was phenomenal. And one of his lines was, Boris Karloff couldn't eat my Schmidt. (laughs) There was was more to that line than that. But you'd have to use a lot of... Nah, and that's enough. Do you you want Chicka writing about you now? Oh, please, could I? I don't think so. Jack Nicholson in anything, Albert Finney and Tom Jones, who made the whole, his whole career, he was offered Larry, Larry Arabia, wouldn't sign a seven-year contract. Thank you, Todd Hollywood. You want to put Albert Finney in there and Tom Jones? I don't know. Why not? Okay. Come on, get with it. We're not just putting, this poll isn't just what is George like, okay? I was asking for your opinion, I don't know that. 
Albert Finney and Tom Jones. Let's see. Here's a Sean in Hollywood's got a list of his favorite 75,000 performances. The best acting performances by actors and actresses. And then he's got not always starring roles of the biggest pictures. A few examples of tremendous supporting performances. Angela Lansbury in The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. Linda Hunt, The Year of Living Dangerously. Uh. Nicole Williamson in Excalibur. And uh, J.E. Friedman in Miller's Crossing. Who the hell's J.E. Friedman? I don't know. Miller's Crossing is pretty interesting. Right. I saw that, but I don't remember him. It was weak. Anyway, it says, that aside, the best performance ever was actually Anthony Hopkins as the murdering ventriloquist in Magic. I thought Magic was the one with Anthony Perkins. That was what it said before. Huh? It's Hopkins. And are we putting that on there or not? You tell me. I saw it was a million years ago. I I can't remember. Anthony Hopkins and Magic. Okay, we got it. We got you down. Thank you, Sean. Also, yes, for what it's worth, we do yeah. have the the uh, draft audio, those uh, faux pas. Oh, you good. Let's hear. This could get an Academy Award. Let's hear some of these. Oh, oops. This is a third quarterback taken in the draft, Kyle Bowler by Baltimore, the first quarterback they have taken in draft history for the franchise. First quarterback they've taken in the first round. First quarterback they've taken. Period. Oh, since they've come over from Cleveland. Right. Well, that's rather startling. We have another one. Pittsburgh yeah, okay. Steelers traded up from number 27 to number 16, Kansas City's pick. Then they select safety Troy Palomalu, a safety from USC, the second Southern California player chosen in the first round. The Trojans have not had a first-round pick in the first round since, I think it was 1980. And I don't remember the pick. I want to say that I read something where in 1980 was the last time the Trojans had a number. That didn't make any sense to me. Anthony, to Anthony Munoz? Anthony, yeah, Anthony that Munoz, era? right. Hall of Famer. Huh? Hall of Famer. That is, that that's is boggling because when you reflect back on the 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s, USC was a powerhouse, and they delivered tons of number one picks. Yeah, they were uh, the 60s and 70s University of Miami. You, you got it exactly right. I'm getting pounded. Yeah. Uh, you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of those much too long ponderous promos that we play on a station, especially the ones for the overnight show that go on for about five minutes. Yeah. Let's not hear any more of those. Okay? Okay. Uh, here's one. Gene Wilder is Dr. Frankenstein. Was that young Frankenstein? Yeah. Marty Feldman is Igor, spelled E Y I. That's Igor. <laughs> And Peter Boyle as Frankie. What do you say? Anybody from uh, Young Frankenstein? Well, I, I mean, I, so. I love the movie, but I don't. No. Big, heavy drama. Robert Duvall in The Great Santini. I think he deserves that because he's not going to get down here in any other movie because, uh, you know, and that one where he played the preacher, I'm sorry. Get out of town. Robert Duvall, The Great Santini. Got it. Got it? Uh, I'm writing. I'm writing, okay? Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. We got Jack Nicholson in The Shining, right? It says Lon Cheney was the Wolfman. I believe Charles Lawton was the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, no, Lon Cheney. In the silent movies, Lon Cheney Senior was the first Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then Charles Lawton also played that role. Correct. I'm not really sure which came first, the chicken or the egg. And in either case, does it make any difference? No. No. I think it was Lon Cheney first. And Lon Cheney Junior was the Wolfman, not Senior. Although, the, who the hell knows? I don't know. 
And who okay, can't. the list continues growing like crazy. I forget, I'll overlook these. Tom Hulse, Amadeus, he had a nice hairdo. Yeah. No. That's one of the great acting performances of all time. Nicholas Cage leaving Las Vegas. Who was he just married to for about five minutes? Priscilla Presley. No, oh, I'm like sorry, I said, leaving name? Priscilla. Lisa Marie, sorry. The other uh, Paul Newman, the hustler. Didn't we've got a couple of suggestions? We already got Paul Newman for uh, Cool Hand Luke, which was much better than the hustler. Brad Davis, Midnight Express. That's kind of a gay movie. Yeah. I mean, not really, but oh, that's, that's how it would be perceived, especially in the bath, uh, the bathhouse it was, scenes. It was Turkish, therefore gay. Turkish taffy. <laughs> I do like Turkish taffy, but I haven't had that in a long time. Man, that'll just tear your teeth out, you know. Don't you like Turkish taffy? I don't know if I've ever had Turkish brand. No, but that's what they call it. You don't know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. They see, there's another thing from my youth that they don't have anymore, which is probably one of the reasons the dentists are pissed off. They still have saltwater taffy. Well, it's oh no, but that's that's like individual pieces of candy though. Mm -hmm. Turkish taffy was like a bar. Oh, they must still make that. If they Come have on. taffy in a bar. I don't know if it, what they call it now. Turkish taffy, you idiot. All right, I'll run right out. And Dustin Hoffman and Steve McQueen and Pepeo. Well, we got Steve McQueen. Dustin Hoffman's got. Thanks, Eric. Eric in Fort Lauderdale. So so far we got this list of 7,500. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actor? The best, not your 25 best. Narrow it down to one. That's the point. I realize it's not easy, but that's the idea here. Marlon Brando in The Godfather, Peter Finch in Network, Jack Nicholson, Cuckoo's Nest, Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, Al Pacino, Scarface, Rod Steiger, The Pawnbroker, Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia. Father O'Toole, God. Tom Cruise, Born on the Fourth of July, Robert De Niro, Taxi Driver, uh, Humphrey Bogart, Casablanca, Bogart, K-Mutiny, Dennis Hopper, Blue Velvet, Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy. Russell Crowe, A Beautiful Mind. Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man. He's all over the place. Tony Perkins, Psycho. Gene Hackman, French Connection. George C. Scott Patton. Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs. Rod Stagger in the Heat of the Night. Robert De Niro, Raging Bullschmidt. Dom DeLuise, Fatso. Lee J. Cobb on the Waterfront. Paul Newman, Cool Hand Luke. Sidney Poitier, Raisin in the Sun. Daniel Day-Lewis, My Left Foot. Sir Alec Guinness, Bridge on the River Kwai. Marlon Brando on the Waterfront. James Caan, The Godfather. A lot of great people in The Godfather, but James Caan... Bada bing! You blow their brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. Was no, he was no chopped liver, I'll tell you that. Bella Lugosi in the Dracula. Boom, boom. Uh, Jack uh, Nicholson in The Shining. Here's Johnny. Steve McQueen in Papillon. Ned Beatty in Deliverance. One moment, please. <laughs> okay, just, just a little something to get you in the right mood. Ned Beatty in Deliverance. Uh, Albert Finney in Tom Jones. Anthony Hopkins in Magic, and Robert Duvall in The Great Santini. Good list so far, you know what? Yep. In fact, we're going to start listening to the audio from all of those right now. Okay. 1213 at 560 WQAM. Let me tell you about a good way to lose weight. Number one, stay away from the rumors. And number two, balance for life. Piece of cake. All you have to do is make one easy call. They'll get you on the regular delivery system, and they'll send you, they'll fax you. A menu. Every week you get that menu. You choose two uh, choices for each meal every day that you're on a program, and that's it. You lose weight fast and delicious way because they give you plenty of food each day. They deliver to you right to your doorstep a little black sack every day. Three gourmet meals, two delicious snacks right to your doorstep. No cooking, no shopping, no cleaning, no worries, no calorie counting, not even any carbohydrate counting because they do all of those things for you. And like I always tell you, there's nothing frozen, nothing artificial, no preservatives, no little tiny cans of crap, just fresh, delicious food every single day. 
So if you want to lose the weight once and for all, if you're frustrated, if you tried every other diet under the sun, if you tried every weight loss program that you thought was invented and couldn't do it, give Balance of Life a shot because it will really do the job for you. And it's delicious, too. Call them today at 954-568-3229. 954-568-3229. Or if you want more information about the Balance for Life program, just check them out on that World Wide Web at balanceforlife.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Yay. How did Betty Davis get on our list? Did she just have the sex change? She's dead, by the way. She was a little butch, but nevertheless. Well, I've known my sister all my life. That is why she's now my wife. And I think my son may know it's true. He's my nephew, too. Well, my daddy is my uncle. My mother is my dear Aunt Chloe It is very plain to see My first cousin is me A station that delivers presents a deliverance weekend all weekend long. You can qualify by winning video cassettes of the movie Deliverance. What is it you require? We require that you listen to the radio all weekend long. Don't say anything, just say it. The grand prize winner will be flown to Dothan, Georgia for a canoe trip for two down the Kahunawasee River, including accommodations in beautiful end trees. It's easy to win. I'll let you just drop them facts. I'm just taking right off. They painted. Take them off. Simply be the tenth caller every time you hear Ned Beatty squeal like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deliverance weekend all weekend long. From a station that gets you where it hurts. Q95. Rectum. Twelve nineteen, and I love uh, in all those mobits, or at least the ones where he's getting raped. What do you require? You know, he always broke a brain. I always slips that in there. Right? <laughs> this is an excellent one. The number one ever. Peter Sellers and Doctor Strangelove played three roles brilliantly. A very fitting winner in these times as well. Absolutely. Well, let's get that on it right away. In fact, maybe we can replace Betty Davis. Now, how does this happen? See, yeah, all I have to do is. Hi, uh, you done it. You done it. <laughs> Now, let, let's see who's the real man here today, if it's Beaner Boy or if it's an Eric. Whose mistake is that? Who's bad? No, that was me. Yeah, I knew it. So, in other words, you think Betty Davis is a man? From some angles. Yeah, most. Oh, that, I guess you already got that off of there right away. Nice going. See, you're just trying to get Eric in trouble. That's what you're doing. I'm out of your scam. Yes. And yeah. so is he. Even though, oh, no, it is on there. It's on the bottom now. He hasn't got it off there yet. <laughs> Get Betty Davis off our actor list, okay, Eric, you silly goose, you. What is wrong with you? How could he get sucked into that, even though you are stupid, Carlos? God. Jack Nicholson, Cuckoo's Nest, 47. Marlon Brando, Godfather, 39. I didn't know no Godfather. That aside, let me say that I swear. On the soul of my grandchildren, that I will not be the one to break the peace we've made here today. Good. 
Al Pacino, Scarface, 30, 35. Well, that's an overrated, you're right, very overrated movie. Funny. In fact, I, I'll tell you this. Um, what's his name? Uh, Stevie Bauer? Yes. Thief of Hearts, which wasn't like a big smash movie or anything, but I thought he did it with better acting in there than in Scarface. Okay. You didn't like uh, Thief of Hearts? I, I saw it. It's just like, yeah, you know, I thought it was uh, bland. Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs, 26. You'll notice that nobody suggested for any of the other movies of that uh, genre. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man, 23. Just once I'd like to see Greg Reed with that mask with a rubber ball in his mouth. You know? <laughs> Maybe you could borrow it from, uh, from Moe. Uh, let's see. Sounds the Lambs. Dust off in Rayman 23. George C. Scott Patton 14. Tom Hanks, Philadelphia 12. Peter Finch Network 11. Now we're talking. Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon 9. Attica! Attica! Robert De Niro, Raging Bull 8. Highly overrated. I'll tell you a great movie. Yeah. That had, uh, some performances on her. Speaking of Robert De Niro. And much, much better movie and a much better performance than in Raging Bull was Once Upon a Time in America. Okay. But most people don't have 15 hours of spare oh. time to sit down and watch it all the way through. You don't think so? Hey, about the fourth or fifth time, you can make it through. That's how many times it took me. In fact, that old Zithead, even James Woods was good in that yeah. movie. No, you don't like James no, Woods I, in that movie? I, I hate him, I don't like him in general. Good. Right. He was good huh? in there. There were some pretty damn good acting performances in there. And then, of course, what's his name, too? Bloom? What's his, that little kid that used to be on the soap operas? I forget. Noodles. No, not noodles. No, you're, now you're confusing him with Luxian cooking. I just wanted to say noodles. That was your fat. See, I'm going to get that woman all upset again now talking about uh, those Jews in there. Well, don't play Jews in the attic, whatever you do. That red, I was thinking about that before. <laughs> that red-headed, uh, whatever, noodles. Now, what was his name? Oh, Brian Bloom. I'm sorry. Okay. If he didn't have the most incredible eyes I've ever seen in my life. But my eyes have seen a lot. Let's see. Here's one. It says, how about fellow fairy Sir Ian McClellan in uh, McClellan and Gods and Monsters? Yeah, fag movie. You seen it? Yeah. No, God. And? Uh, he's he's done better. A lot of people oh. rave about that movie. It was weak. Here's one going on about Moe and the uh, drafting and all the mistakes. Well, we just played a couple of them for you. Also, best acting job. It says Eric Bogosian in talk radio, or maybe not. <laughs> it's just obviously a joke, yeah, right. and a bad joke at that. Five six seven oh five sixty. I mean Betty Davis on a man's list. Oh brother, too bad we don't have Betty Davis eyes by Kim Carnes. We probably do somewhere. Let's not play it. It was okay in its time. In fact, let's put that on the list too. Betty Davis eyes. What we'll start doing to really screw up the audience. We'll start putting like music on there. <laughs> we'll put a bunch of phony choices <laughs> on yeah. the poll. We'll get, we'll get even with some of these bastards, okay, that have been spending the last several years dicking with our poll all the time. Oh, there's Tom Dick is busy again now. WQAM. Hi, Neil. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got one for you that nobody's called in yet. Okay. How about Malcolm McDowell in the Clockwork Orange? Yeah, we, we, somebody suggested that much earlier, but, uh, I mean, he was very good. Oh, I thought he was great. Yeah. Well, let's put it on there. Okay. Thanks. All right, thanks, Neil. Why the hell not? That was your doing anyway. You said, nah, he was a lot better than something else. I did? No. Malcolm McDowell, a Clockwork Orange. How about the dim? Oh, I wish I knew his name. And Pete and George. Five, six, seven. And then, of course, that uh, the broad with the ballet tights and that gigantic uh, uh, rocking penis. <laughs> That's that enormous ceramic <laughs> rocking penis. Funny. 
Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty. Oh, he said penis again. Tom Dick is writing another article tomorrow. Yeah, Tom, we finally figured how to get through to you. Okay. Yeah, we finally figured how to get Tom Dick's attention. There you go. There's another one, Tom. Oh boy. And not only that, but you're full of five six seven oh five sixty. Oh, I'll tell you who I really love. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But speaking of music, what happened there? They're done. Tell anyone that I am your cousin. What do you mean they're done? They cut the records, did their tour, made their money, and uh, who the hell knows what they're doing now? How about you? They're still alive in Europe. I bet you they're still big in Europe and probably uh, releasing a whole lot of good stuff, but you'll never see the videos well, here. Hope. You'll never hear the music either because that's the new edict by the Bush administration. Anybody who's popular in Europe uh, can't be popular here. Do you know that? Did you get I the didn't. message? No, I didn't. 5670560. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. I'm pretty impressed with this list. There's some damn good stuff on here. Is the Dracula getting any? <laughs> Bella Lugosi's got five. Bella Lugosi. Man, he was so great. And then, and then the sad part about him is he wound up making all those cheesy movies in the 40s. Right. That's why you need worry. to see uh, Ed Wood, because it's all about that. I can't find it. Get out. In Canada? No. What is the actual name of the movie? Isn't it just Ed Wood? Ed Wood. Just like right. that. Can't find it. Can find a lot of wood, but not Ed Wood. Be damn. Yeah, he's still making all them damn gangster movies, which were so camp and so bad. In fact... We might even have one on the Drive-In Movie Channel right now. You don't even know it. Let's see. Oh, this Ed Wood takes place. Often weighing, weighing one against the other. Family circles. For Shirley Jenkins, a thoughtful girl, just a girl at school like the other children, the disturbing conflicts have already begun. Uh-oh. Family circles explaining how bad parenting leads to delinquent children. <laughs> you know, there was something about those movies from the 40s and 50s and the music and the whole thing. It's just, I, I mean, real, you know, it was very primitive by comparison. But there just was something there that was uh, lacking today. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Yeah. Just like, just like watching Strangers on the Train, that Hitchcock movie. It, it wasn't a good movie. It was a very disappointing ending. But there were, just all the way through it, there were things that you just don't see anymore. Like Farley Granger, it's probably because he's dead. 1227 at 560 WQM with Mother's Day just around the corner. Is that guest bed ready yet? It better be. If it's sagging, lumpy, or just worn out in the bed, too, then call my good paisans at Dollar Mattress, tool free at 1-800-MATTRESS. Dollar Mattress has the complete line of Serta, Sealy, King Coral, and Simmons to choose from. You sure don't want Mom sleeping on something you wouldn't sleep on. Well, there's no reason to put it off one more minute. Dollar Mattress is the best in the world. Believe me, nothing's got a bigger impact on your life each and every day than a great night's sleep. So call 1-800-MATTRESS like I always do. Dollar Mattress has got more. This is the worst piece of copy. Who wrote this, man? Well, fat boys in the hospital. The absolute worst. We apologize to our good friends at Dollar Mattress for a real schmitty piece of copy. Just awful. Dollar Mattress has more repeat and referral customers than anybody else because they know how to treat your customers right. And I guarantee you, like I always do, once you buy your mattress over the phone from Dollar Mattress, you'll never waste your time in those showrooms again. And don't also forget, when you buy your mattress from Dollar Mattress, they set up the new and take away the crappy old bedding for free. That's correct. They set up the new and take away the crappy, smelly, nasty old bedding for free. 
So for Mother's Day, have Mommy sleeping like a baby on a great new bed from Dollar Mattress. Call them right now, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, and tell them that old Neil, ancient Neil, told you to call 1-800-MATTRESS for Dollar Mattress for the easiest possible way to get you a great night's sleep. My and local, this is Sports Radio 560, UAQAM. If it's free, it's me. I am Dr. Gupta. I will be performing your heart surgery today. Now, hiya, doctor. What do you know? What do you say? How are you feeling, Mr. David? Like I've been into a York peppermint patty. What do you think I feel like over here? Well, it's a simple heart valve procedure. Just breathe deeply into the mask and you won't feel a thing. <laughs> say, I went under fast. I can't move or nothing. Hey, look at that. He's opening my chest now. Hey, by the way, son, Dr. Gupta's taken off his pants. And now he's... What the... Raping my chestic cavity. Hey, stop. Do you know who I am? There's nothing I can do. He's raping my chest and I can't move. I'm already dead. <laughs> well, it's something I never told you, Mo. Yeah, what's that? I'm building the vampire slayer. Big deal. Now I got to stab you with my throbbing stab. Knock yourself out, punk. I'm in a mud hole. See? Why are you? The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Call 33 at 560 WQM. Happy Monday to say, evidently. Mo's first uh, draft show appearance on QM wasn't, uh, was he on it last year? I don't know. I would assume because he started in March. So, like I said, his second appearance on the draft show went over like <laughs> Halava in Saudi Arabia. Not too good. Here's one of our chronic facts who says, as much as I hated the movie, Tom Hanks in Castaway was phenomenal. I don't even know what that movie is. It's the one where he, uh, the UPS guy gets stuck on the island. Never heard of it. I remember the Castaways Hotel. Yeah. Are we putting that on there? No. P.S. Do you know there were 30,000 at Aventura Mall for the draft? Please, it says. I agree. Please get a life. Get a life. 30,000 people for the draft? Jesus, God, and Joseph, man. Get serious. Then here's one that says, how about Robert De Niro in Awakenings? Great performance. Greatest performance of a retard ever. Yeah. You want to put that on I agree. There? Yeah. Okay, Awakenings, Robert De Niro. Now, let's spell it right this time because he says De Niro spelled wrong on a poll. Of course, that's probably Beaner Boy. You notice, Eric, that Beaner Boy is doing a lot of things intentionally to make you look bad? He told me he was going to start doing this, like putting Betty Davis on there just to see if you'd put it on there, which you did. <laughs> he said you weren't going to say that on the air. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to make you slip up one or two more times, Eric. That's all it'll take. And then that's it. Bella Lugosi's only got five. 
And where I don't even see Robert De Niro. Where the hell is it? Oh, there it is. Oh, dear. Who spelled that? Come on, Carlos. Who spelled that? <laughs> D E N I R O. There's no E in Robert De Niro. Okay, at least not in uh, not in the second it's like it's one. Supposed to be Robert De Niro. Yeah. If I did, it was a typo. I know. I, I know a little bit more, not too much, but a little bit more than that. Yeah, Robert De Niro. Okay, now he, now he's even throwing spick uh, words on there on the on the poll. As a matter of fact, if you want to make any more De Niro on this show, you better cut the crap, okay? Hey, Eric, he's not fooling us. He's just trying to make you look bad. Although, quite frankly, you had a good start. Five six seven oh five sixty, and we are not taking those pictures of those wounded and butchered up kids off of our website because people need a constant reminder of that's really what war is all about—not just a bunch of glamorous pictures on a bulletin board on MSNBC somewhere. Oh, here's our heroes of the day. I mean, oh. Oh, my God, talk about trying to sanitize and glorify and glamorize a bunch of butchery, a bunch of insanity, because we wanted to teach the world a lesson. Yeah, that'll learn them. Yeah, that'll teach them. Oh, i, th- I got to get to this. Oh, i got to get to a couple of things. So all you people on the phone, <laughs> we'll get to you, or not. Dan Savage, this is in the New York Times on Friday, this past Friday. Dan Savage is editor of The Stranger, a weekly newspaper, probably, a, obviously, a fag mag. He writes, gay groups are trying to turn Senator Rick Santorum into the next Trent Lott. It's not going to work. Mr. Lott lost his post as Senate Majority Leader because he said something he wasn't supposed to. Mr. Santorum, who holds the number three position in Senate leadership, was only repeating what many Republicans have already said. After telling a reporter that he likes homosexuals just fine, provided we refrain from engaging in homosexual acts, Mr. Santorum came out, came out in support of laws against sodomy. A right to privacy, he said, doesn't exist, in my opinion, in the U.S. Constitution for gays, straights, anybody. He then compared homosexuality to bigamy, polygamy, incest, and adultery. Too much freedom, allowing gays and lesbians to live openly without fear of arrest, for example, is antithetical to strong, healthy families, he said. Homosexuality may not be as bad as man on child, man on dog, or whatever the case may be, he said, but at this point, the reporter broke in and said, I'm sorry, I didn't think I was going to talk about man on dog with a United States senator, she said. It's sort of freaking me out. She wasn't the only one. Gay groups called for Mr. Santorum's head, while anti-gay groups like the Family Research Council, once headed by Gary Bauer, rushed to defend him. But Mr. Santorum needn't worry about his leadership post. Unlike the former majority leader, Mr. Santorum didn't slip up and say something in plain English that every good Republican knows must only be said in code. Unlike Republicans' appeals to racist voters, Republican appeals to homophobic voters are overt. During the 2000 campaign, Alan Keyes appeared on the same stage as George Bush, and denounced the radical homosexual agenda that he said was destroying the American family. Candidate Bush, now President Bush, failed to respond, even though his running mate's daughter is a lesbian. But gays and lesbians are more than just sons and daughters. We're moms and dads, too. My boyfriend and I adopted a son five years ago, says Dan Savage, and we plan to adopt again. As more same-sex couples start families, it's going to be harder for Republicans like Mr. Santorum to say we are somehow a threat to the American family. As much as it may dismay Mr. Santorum and his defenders, there really is no word other than family to describe the three people who live in my house. When it comes to marriage rights, gays and lesbians are willing to play semantic games. We will use awkward phrases like civil union and domestic partnership so long as we can get what our families really need, the, re- the rights, responsibilities, and safeguards of legal marriage. But two adults who love each other and are raising children together, what are we if not a family? What other word is there for us? In our culture, homosexuality is discussed only when it presents a problem for the armed forces, for closeted gay students in high school, for those who imagine gays are undermining society. Rarely is homosexuality credited with the creation of something positive and lasting. 
Desire brought my boyfriend and me together, and it's simple desire that brings most couples, gay or straight, together. Responsibly acted on, this desire is a good thing in and of itself, and it can often lead to other good things like strong, healthy families. Right, Stan Savage in Friday's New York Times. Oh! Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Mr. Santorum, you asshole, you homophobic piece of turd, you typical bushy, you bush licker, you scumbag. And those million fags out there, those log cabin Republicans, man, just wait until they come and take away your log. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. But I'm telling you, this fax machine with these chronic faxes, some yeah. of them just, they should get their own show. And I mean, a lot of them are good, but my God, just desperate. This chronic fill? Mm-hmm. Uh, but a beep, I work in Miami. The majority of people on the job are Cuban. I was pulled into the Human Resources office at the end of the day and warned not to wear the shirt, uh, the chicken hawk to Iraq shirt, to work again. Two people complained. I replied, uh, Sieg Heil. Talk about a humorless, intolerant bunch of assholes peddling their own brand of oppression. Why did they bother to leave Fidel? Well, now you're getting it, Phil. Now you're starting to catch on. Dade County. You communista, 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 okay? Whoever said there was freedom in Dade County? Anybody ever say that? No. Not, not on this me. show. Oh. Now, let's get back to this thing that I wanted to read that is so damn important. Not that it's going to change the world, but I just have, I feel the spirit of something compels me. William Rivers Pitt, a New York Times bestselling author of two books, War on Iraq, and the greatest addition is silence. He teaches high school in Boston, Mass. And this is just a part of this article. 
a pipeline project aimed at exploiting massive natural gas reserves along the Caspian Sea in Turkmenistan was revived by the Bush administration when it arrived in Washington in January 2001. The pipeline project, which sought to bring oil and natural gas from Turkmenistan through Afghanistan to a warm water port, has been, had been the brainchild of American petroleum giant Unical for much of the 90s. After the destruction of two American embassies in Africa in 98 by Osama bin Laden, the Clinton administration forbade any American companies from doing business with the Taliban, which had been shuttering bin Laden in Afghanistan. Unical's pipeline project was frozen. After the Bush administration came to power, reinvigorating the pipeline project became a high-priority matter of policy. Assistant Secretary of State Christine Rocca was dispatched to Pakistan to discuss the pipeline with Taliban officials in August of 2001. Rocca, a career officer with the CIA, had been deeply involved in agency activities within Afghanistan. A Pakistani foreign minister was present at the meeting and witnessed the exchange. How does this pipeline relate to 9-11? The main obstacle of the completion of the pipeline was the fact that it had to pass through Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. The project would receive no international support unless the Afghan government somehow became legitimized. In bargaining for the pipeline, the Bush administration demanded that the Taliban reinstate the post-King Mohammed Zahir Shah as ruler of Afghanistan and demanded that the Taliban hand over bin Laden for arrest. In return, the Taliban would reap untold billions of profit from the pipeline. A central part of the Bush administration's bargaining tactics involved threats of war if these conditions for legitimization of Af Afghanistan were not met. The BBC of London reported on September 18, 2001, of the existence of war plans on Bush's desk aimed at Afghanistan. Niaz Nayak, a former Pakistani foreign secretary, stated that the war plans were slated for October of 2001. Conditions set by the Bush administration to avoid war, including the Taliban's handing over bin Laden and the acceptance of King Zahir Shah, Nayak went so far as to doubt that America would hold off on war even if these conditions were met. The result was total disaster. The Bush administration fundamentally misunderstood the Taliban regime, much the way Brzezinski did in 98. To bring back the king and hand bin Laden over to the West would have been tantamount to suicide for the Taliban. The arrival of Shah would shove them out of power. Handing bin Laden over to the West would have been seen as a high crime to the Islamic world. Instead of acquiescing to the hard-sell tactics of the Bush administration, the Taliban unleashed Osama upon America. They were going to lose everything and chose to attack first in the hope that all-out war would break out in Central Asia and rally other Muslim nations to their cause. Actions do indeed have consequences. The motivations behind 20 months of silence regarding the cause of 9-11, along with the appalling nomination of Henry Kissinger as chief investigator, become far more clear. The families of those slain in 9-11 have not taken all of this lying down. They've sued the government of Saudi Arabia for civil damages totaling a trillion dollars, accusing them of harboring and avoiding the terrorists and aiding the terrorists who took down the towers. There is profound merit to their claim as 15 of the 19 terrorists who flew the planes on 9-11 came from Saudi Arabia, as does Osama bin Laden, and the Wahhabi sect of Islam that motivates their jihad. The suit seems logical and reasonable. It is disturbing then to consider the legal team hired by the Saudi government to defend against the charges. Prince Sultan bin Abdul Aziz, the Saudi defense minister, is being represented in court by the prestigious Houston law firm Baker Botts, which was in the story we talked about last week. The baker in Baker Botts is James Baker III, Secretary of State to George Bush Sr., and prime fighter for Bush Jr. in the Florida election brawl. Baker also shares another employer with Bush Sr., massive multinational corporation, the Carlyle Group, owner of the arms manufacturer United Defense, which is making a gold-plated mint off the war in Iraq. I'd be gratified if someone could explain all this away, and then I could sleep at night. The war we've waged against Iraq was justified to the American people as being a necessary response to 9-11. We were told Iraq had terrible weapons that could kill us, that Iraq was a major threat, and that the country would be safer once the Hussein regime was fired. The fact that we found exactly no uh, zero weapons of mass destruction and the relative ease with which we destroyed Iraq's army proved that there were no threat whatsoever. We went anyway, however, to make the world safer at the point of our incredibly sharp sword. 
Albert Einstein, arguably the most brilliant human being ever to draw breath on planet Earth, defined insanity as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. America instigated a horrible war in Afghanistan 24 years ago to make the world safer. We have attacked and destroyed a mother, another Muslim nation purportedly for the same purpose. One of these days we're going to realize that such actions never serve the cause of peace, but only serve to perpetuate and augment the horrors of this terrifying world. We will learn for all time that actions have consequences. In the meantime, though, we have silence about September. We have evildoers who hate our freedom, and we have war after war after war instigated by an administration that has so much to answer for. I tell the people at all my talks about all of this, and they leave the room quivering with rage. They have the answers, as do I, and God help the administration because of it. Secrets love to whisper. How do you like that? <laughs> William Rivers Pitt, New York Times bestselling author in the teaching high school in Boston, Mass. How, how, I know I read that once before, but it just, I don't know, it didn't have the impact on me then that it did now. It's all right there. And, of course, on our website, way back when, maybe the first book we put on the website... Yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm trying to like get to the, uh, oh, what is taking this thing so long here now, Eric? Oh, my God. It's not Eric's fault. But let's blame him anyway. Uh, no, that's not it. Well, it's down the list now, right? I don't know. Forbidden Truth. Oh. Remember that one? Sure. It's still, it's still on there. About the whole uh, pipeline deal with the Taliban. And so we threatened that we were going to invade. We threatened that we were going to invade. And they said, well, you know, we had to make a choice. And that's why 9-11 happened. So if anybody's thinking it just happened, uh, you know, just uh, out of the blue, think again. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Middle Eastern world. Will be exploded, Saddam had people killed with the gas that we sold him. First time aggressor nation and the only one that's going. Now more blood will be spilled to get that oil flowing. Forget about Korea and the nukes they're toting at the right wing. is drilling it over and over into our heads. That Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction three thousand people killed are now forgotten let's exploit them instead hey there's oil to be gotten going after Saddam to placate Osama there's no longer mention of the name Bin Laden, but no one seems concerned. All being complacent, believing every word of this cartel administration that controls us by fear through media manipulation. And the right wing is drilling it over and over into our heads. That Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction. The civil rights is the price that we're paying. We're all suspects now, not the Ashcroft is saying. 
I have nothing to hide. Cable talkers all are saying blind obedient cattle don't have any reservation about unprovoked battle and world annihilation. Old regimes must fall and have a virgin installed with no objection at all. Democrats don't have the balls and the right wing is drilling it over and over until our brainwashed heads. Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction. Only Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction. That's all, Muriel. Yes. 1257 Mad Dog coming up next. Here's a fact that says, Hi, Neil. Hi, George. The other day I was listening to Howard Sperm's show, and Artie the sidekick comedian guy was rating a chick with a great body and a butterface. He said he hadn't seen a haircut like that since Mo Howard Davided. Also, will we be able to see the pics of the hottest couple? Yes, uh, you will be able to see the pictures, uh, although it doesn't officially start the contest till this Thursday, May 1. What do we got? Seven? Seven entries so far? Seven or eight. I lost count. So you've got till uh, Thursday, May 15th, two weeks to enter, and... Uh, or you can go to neilrogers.com. Just go to our website. You'll see all the details. Where uh, Carlos has it flaming. He's flaming on there. And then on Thursday, May 22nd, uh, you'll have it. Uh, in other words, we're going to vote for a whole week? I forgot. Yeah. On Thursday, May 15th, pictures will be up on the web for voters to choose their favorite. Thursday, May 22nd, the couple of the most votes win. So you'll have a whole week to uh, vote on it. And you'll be able to see the pictures starting on Thursday, May 15th. And the winner wins a three-day, two-night stay for two at the Royal Oasis Resort and Casino in Bahamas with round-trip airfare on Lake or Air. And the runner-up gets dinner for two at the Pizza Loft. And uh, you won't have to buy anybody dinner when you go there, which is like a little extra added bonus. You talk about chutzpah, man. You know, the more I think about that, the more pissed off and fired up I get. About what? Just this whole uh, business, you know, that I was talking about today with that deli. The whole oh, <laughs> that business. Oh, well, there's nothing I can do about the worldwide business and about the Taliban and about the uh, administration, but I can certainly do something about those uh, free dinners, as in, uh, no. Anyway, how's that poll coming out, Neil? What was the best all-time performance of a movie by an actor? Jack Nicholson, Cuckoo's Nest, 63. Marlon Brando, Godfather, 56. That's where the contest is. That's the race. Al Pacino and Scarface, 40. Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs, 33. Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man, 28. George C. Scott Patton, 20. Tom Hanks, Philadelphia, 16. Peter Finch, Network, 15. Robert De Niro, Raging Bullschmidt, 12. Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon, a dozen. Everybody else, single digits. And then tomorrow, and I, I only start with a couple for tomorrow. What was the best all-time performance in a movie by an actress? Kathy Bates in Misery. Betty mm -hmm. Davis, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Good yeah. start? Good start. I'm going to meditate on my pick. Yeah, think on it. How about uh, Phoebe Cates in Paradise? Or Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There you go. Something like that. Anyway, we got the Mad Dog coming up next. Hank is not at Chula's. Don't go over there expecting <laughs> to see him eating, okay? Huh? What are you laughing about? <laughs> Hank is in the studio, in the building at 3, with the Iron Studio with him, or whatever the hell that says. What does that say? I don't know. I don't know what it says either. He's around somewhere. Bye, bye, bye. The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Is he a now a first-round prick? 